What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, Eddie Ift. Eddie Ift, who I uh, only really got to know the past couple months. We, we ran into each other at the comedy store when we were in the green room. And I had just the most effortless and hilarious and fun and interesting conversation with him then. And just really vibed with him. And then I checked him out, did a deep dive, which you should as well. He's got lots of comedy albums and specials. Check him out on Spotify. Check out his uh, podcast, which is called Talking's Hit, like talking shit. <laughs> talking shit. Um, he's wonderful. This is one of those uh, Did We Just Become Best Friends episodes. And I'm so glad it was effortless, like a classic, like a classic. You made it weird. So fun. So funny. So interesting. Let's let's dive in. Only a couple things to talk about up top. My special, I Am Not For Everyone is available now on netflix.com <laughs> it's a website or an app uh the support for that has been uh, tremendous and i'm so proud of it and i really hope uh the weirdos like it there's a lot of stuff in there that if you like this podcast you'll probably like the special uh i'd guarantee i guarantee it <laughs> i don't know how I'm, you're gonna hold me to that guarantee but anyway uh i'm also on tour go to petehomes.com I'll be in D.C., uh, Brea, California, and I believe, uh, what else? They're all on pedoms.com. Go to pedoms.com. It's going to be exciting. Val walking by in the bathroom background. Uh, anyway, um, this episode is brought to us by our friends at Element, which I have right here, of course, because I start every morning with Element. What is it? It's zero sugar hydration. It's the perfect blend of sodium, potassium, and magnesium that gets my neuroconnectivity jump-started in the morning, replenishes everything that I'm sweating out after I exercise, and honestly, it's a great way to wind down the day. I have, this is the chocolate salt flavor. I drink this hot at night, and something about it gives my body what I lost during the day, and it keeps me from peeing at night. I don't know what's going on. I, I've heard that about sodium, but there's something about an element before bed that keeps me in the bed all night. So it's water plus electrolytes. It's the perfect blend, scientifically optimized for the optimum ratio. It also tastes incredible, which makes drinking water more pleasurable. Watermelon salt is my favorite favorite of the fruit flavors. Orange salt is incredible. Try it after a run or a workout. It feels so good to flood your system with everything that it's craving. So it's like, you know, a zero sugar version of these popular, even from the 80s, electrolyte drinks. But a lot of those have like 30 grams of sugar. It's like drinking a Coke. This is zero sugar. It's five calories, makes fasting really, really easy, feels fantastic, feels wonderful to get your body what it needs. Healthy hydration isn't just water, it's water plus electrolytes. And Element is the most delicious, fast, efficient, and effective way to get that sodium, potassium, and magnesium into you for health, performance, and energy, fight off fatigue, headaches, brain fog. It's incredible, tastes wonderful. And we have a free sample pack, which is awesome because you wanna try all these flavors. There's like a habanero one, which is strangely good, like a spicy one. It's incredible. So if you order with this promo code, go to drinklmnt.com weird and use promo code weird, you'll get the free element sample pack with any order when you order. That's L-M-N-T. So drinklmnt.com slash weird, promo code weird, and you'll get that free sample pack. 
Trust me, you're going to love it. I absolutely love it. I'm a, I'm a subscriber and a believer and was before we started doing these ads, so I'm so happy to be working with them. Similar situation as our friends at Onnit and Alpha Brain. You guys know since pretty much the show's inception, I've been taking Alpha Brain by Onnit. 15 minutes before I do anything that involves my brain, writing a script, doing a podcast, uh, doing stand-up, even just going out to a party. We went to a Halloween party. Take a couple Alpha Brain before I get there, because if you want the full access to your brain, your memory, your creativity, your focus, your vocabulary, all of that stuff, Alpha Brain is earth-grown ingredients. It's not a stimulant. It just gives your brain the nutrition that it needs to dial in and focus and to create, even if it is just creating a conversation with friends at a party. But if you are doing work, like focusing work, God, I wish I knew about Alpha Brain in college. It would have made things a lot easier. I'm so glad I know about it now. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, promo code weird, 10% off. It changed my life. No exaggeration. Alpha Brain changed my life. I always have it with me in my car, in my bag, in my coat pockets. I swear by it. It helps you dial in. It's not like, it doesn't get you edgy like caffeine. It's not like that. It just gives your brain, it's like giving it food giving fish food to your ideas. So go to onnit.com slash weird for 10% off everything you see on that landing page. Support your brain, support the show. All right, everybody, let's enjoy Eddie Ift together. Get into it. Get that microphone and tell, tell everyone how your wife is too good. Oh, you're just going right now? Are you? Yeah, but we can edit this out. I always... Uh, Do you I want this? That, no, I don't care. Um, you want to edit it out when I plug I don't care. your wife? No, I can say anything Laguna about Beach her. Textile I, I, my life is so transparent. Um... I'm an open book. Did you but, realize that the show Transparent was transparent? No. Transparent. It's like when you realize the Beatles is B-E-A-T. It's like a joke on the beat. And transparent was a transparent. Oh, did you know that? Yeah. I didn't uh, know that. You're almost. It's almost like... No, like, you know what I mean? It's like too perfect. Too easy. Too easy. Uh, do you know about the Mandela effect? Tell me. The Mandela Oh, is a simulation theory that Mandela yeah, I just died that, in, the, yes, in prison? But there's so many of them. Have you ever gone over them all? Like Magic mirror on the wall. Berenstein Bears. Yeah, I don't... I'll tell you. I, I love this. Thank you for the... Eddie brought a gift. Let that... Let that be known. Yes. For to the all rest you, of you. Future gift. Oh, sorry. Your gifts are over there. This is Modern Mail. And this is Magic Mind if you want mm. to drink it. It's really great. Is this the stuff, the mushroom stuff? Uh, no, that is not the first person over there. That's mushrooms. Anyway, let's, let's talk about simulation theory because that's all for you. Um, and thank you for this. Um, I don't buy the Berenstain bears, Berenstain bears. You know I always what I mean? thought it was the Berenstain bears. I, of course it was the Berenstain bears. And I, I know it's spelled stain, but like, it's also pirates of the Caribbean. I would have, you known. know what I'm saying? Like I we just agreed. I would have caught Berenstain. You As a think? kid, yet yeah, stain that word. You're looking for every bad word. Oh, Don't you remember when you read in stain. school and you would turn you words think into bad it words? Was, how do you even spell stain? I think you're just going like. I the, guess that's pronounced the one stain. That, the one that and got speaking us. Speaking of, do you see turd and Saturday? Because if you're not seeing turd and Saturday, simulation theory just went out the window. I didn't see turd and Saturday. T U R D. So there you go, pal. How about this one? Did you know um, Queen, the end of the song, We Are the Champions? Yeah. We are the champions. champions. We no are the time champions. for good. Uh, or there's no time for My losing. My friend. 
It's not my friend? Yeah. It is my friend. There is no my friend. <laughs> Shut up! I swear to God. We are the champions. We are the champions. No my friend. There's no my friend at the end. Not at the end, but in the middle. In the middle there is, but not at the end. And everybody sings it. My friend, but it's not there. But because it's in the middle. That's look, what I think. I'm all that's here. I'm here for this. No, I'm not. I'm against it. You are? I'm against it. And I think that's why. I think you've heard it so many times that you just keep saying it. And misinformation, like, well, mirror, mirror on the wall. That's the other Which one. one's that? People say, so for people that don't understand what we're talking about, these are like, uh, what would you call them? Mass agreed mistakes. Yes. Like large groups of people believe something wrong. Right. And people are like, well, that's because they're not wrong. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you say it like this. It's because we live in a simulation and there was a glitch. <laughs> but like, it's a really fun feeling, like a stomach droppy, sure. the world is magic kind of feeling. I want the world to be magic. One. I want all these things to happen. I want every conspiracy theory to turn out to be right. Oh, sure. But I know they're not. I was just in Utah and my opener was like, God, I hope you're right. Like to be, look, I, I, I might not be correct, but this was how the, the Latter-day Saint Mormon afterlife was explained to me. It was you get your own planet yeah. and your spirit wife and you populate it with spirit babies. And that's kind of what God did here. You get to be a God, but you do it by having celestial sex. And I was like, I hope you're right. I hope you are blowing space loads. And I was like, and Mormons don't have hell. If you don't believe, you just become one of their servants. And I was like, I'll happily bring you a Monte Cristo in between space loads. Are you kidding me? I would love that. That's you'd, and I'd be so happy. I'd be like, this is a great job. I bring snacks to but, this orgy god. But my problem with that is that John Smith. Joseph. Or Joseph Smith just came up with this. This was, there was, there wasn't a lot of input from other people. I'm with you. And look, I don't happen to believe that the story is right. true. But you're not wearing magical underpants. I am. Okay. But it's a, it's a G string <laughs> with a vibrator on my butthole. And I'm, that's the only way I can not come. The problem is I'm actually always coming. I don't know if you know this about oh, me. Like, wow. I'm always just jizzing. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a garbage could you, bag. Could you, imagine, <laughs> could you imagine if that was your thing? Like that was, I have to stop myself from jizzing? You're just like, I, I've had to learn Kegel exercises to stop, stop. from jizzing. Yeah. I'm in a well, constant a, orgasmic state. Some people are too sensey, right? Well, that's why you keep the foreskin. The foreskin helps you have sex longer? Yeah. No, less. If you have foreskin, you're more sensitive. If you it's have covered and protected all the time. And then when it comes out to play. But who? Yeah. Because I was sensitive. just going to say, what is the evolutionary benefit of having sex longer? There's absolutely no benefit. In no. fact, having sex quickly would be rewarded sure. evolutionarily sure. because. So I, I live outside of the city and people sometimes are mauled by wolves and stuff. And it's always when they're peeing. It's like a biker will pull off to the side of the road and take a leak, and the and animals know. You know how your dog wants you to watch it while right. it poops. You know, everybody seems to have that joke that the dog like looks at you. Yeah. He's saying, "Watch me," because I'm vulnerable, because I'm shaking and I'm squatting and you I'm vulnerable. You just made me feel like such a hack because I do have that joke, and I was like, "Not a hack, it was, it was not a hack." Of, but it was one of those ones. I was like, "No one has this joke." You know, when you think, I, no let me one put has it this it, way: and everyone has it. No, I don't know. I think I've said it before, but I don't think it's hack. I have the joke because my father-in-law. Hack, hack judge. My father-in-law. We need to have hack judge. My father-in-law pooped in a neighbor's lawn. Hmm? Just 
pulled down his pants and pooped in a neighbor's lawn. Why? Uh, For revenge or he really had to go? <laughs> he had to go really badly. And he just dropped his drawers. Which means it was kind of loose probably. It wasn't, nobody really needs to yeah, let out a perfect poop. <laughs> but but he did the look, the dog look, the the, the look at you. Yeah. Real quick, you just go, it was that. You yeah. acknowledge it wasn't, it was a bag of Skittles. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> But I mean, he watched you to watch him. I, but there had, we had to lock eyes. There was this moment of, well, well, yeah. Also look out for the neighbor. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we have other threats, shame. Well, I thought iPhone. he was going to the neighbor's house to go knock he on their door it. like a normal human should. Even that I was worried about him going to a random neighbor and being like, Hey, can I come? Can you imagine if someone knocked on your door and, and was said, like, can I shit? I need to come in your house and use your There's toilet. a face that we all know how to make, but we don't know how to do it on cue. Like, I couldn't do it right now. But if I really had to shit, and you go into a place where Someone the bathroom's... feel it. You, there's a face. Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. only for that. And it's, it's not just for when you need a bathroom and it's an employee's-only bathroom or whatever. It's a face that you make that says, like, I'm really not kidding, and I'm really... It's a subservient face. It's a face that says, I yield that to you. That face doesn't always work. It I never took, works. I took that it face. It almost doesn't work. I took that face into a place, I, I forget, something, Pittsburgh Tavern or something, on the top of Mount Washington. I would like to know their name so I could trash them. Yeah. I took my daughter. We were home in Pittsburgh where I grew up. And I had my daughter and my son. And my daughter's like eight years old. She's eight. So it was it was just recently. Wow. And... um there's nowhere to go at the top of Mount Washington that overlooks Pittsburgh. And I'm like, I'll take her to the bar across the street. Wait, it this is for her? Yes. And I go in and it's a restaurant, like everybody's eating. And I gave the guy the look, like she had the look. I had the daddy look like, yeah, we need your bathroom, please. Yeah. And the guy goes, sorry, can't use it. He goes, it's for customers only. And I was like, okay. And he goes, if you want to buy something. And it was a crowded restaurant. And I was like, I'm dead inside right now. That's what I felt like. It's one of those things in those situations. I usually hand somebody too much money. Oh, just to fuck, say, fuck you. Yes. You're like me. I'd go, here's $300. Yes. And because I go, fuck you. Yeah, that's and, why. <laughs> and I hope, I hope this buys something that kills. Yeah. 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 Go <laughs> buy a motorcycle. <laughs> go buy a three, a $300 motorcycle yeah. will definitely kill you. Go buy a crossbow, yeah. you shit. Yes, drive right into an intersection today. Because to me, the kid, an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old. Even, I'm going to extend it up up until under 18. I'm going to say up until 16, the kid, all rules go out the window. Yeah, kid I just has to felt go. like... And, a and kid I get, has to go. I get it. This isn't a very touristy area where they probably get a lot of requests. But we both had the look. The look like this the kid look, the look has says to it. go... And it was so disheartening. My daughter was just like, like there she should have father-in-law it and pooped it on the lawn. That actually would have been a great idea. And she should have done it right there in the lobby. And I had been a, like, I had a, can I buy my own shit back? I had how a, much for my own shit? Like she shits on the floor and then goes, how much for this? Does this count as a purchase? And if it does, I'd like a receipt. I want you to type in blue ink on white paper. One human shit. Dot 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 dot. Seven dollars, <laughs> and please put a tip line because you're getting a big tip. You're getting a big tip for dealing with this. I'll tip a hundred percent. You're getting fourteen bucks. <laughs> I I had a guy shit on my walk. What? Like I had a neighbor, or not a neighbor? There was a guy. Um, 
One, I used to live with Steve Byrne. I didn't know that. I love Steve. Years ago, we lived in Venice together. We both moved to New York uh, together. And we're living in this cottage in Venice, like half a block from the beach. And one day I come home and uh, there's a guy under the house. Like he's going under this little like, this little (laughs) hutch. And I go, hey, uh, excuse me, what what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I, uh, your, your roommate said I could stay here. And I was like, okay. I was like, and Steve was always having guests. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? Steve was always having guests. And I was like, did you say to one of them they could live under the house? It's like, you're really Who is this it, Billy Steve? Goat Gruff? <laughs> We're gonna let Billy Goat Gruff live under the. We had Joe DeRosa enough. Now you're going with. The, now you're going with. See, the... that's the perfect place for Joe. Yeah, I say that with full is. love. Joe would be like, I deserve this, and then put the grate back down. There's hoagie wrappers everywhere. <laughs> I'm making sandwiches. Yeah, I'm making sandwiches. That's where Joey Rose's sandwich shop was born, under a house. (laughs) So the guy's under the house. And I was like, okay. And every day I would come back and he'd be gone or something. And I would give it a little look, see what's going on. And every day he was adding to the, it was like, you know, under a Venice house. Wait, did Steve say he could stay in the cross? I think Steve said, I said, Steve, did you? Tell this guy, and Steve goes, oh, I told him he could store some stuff there or something. And I went, okay. And uh, the guy uh, the guy had one half white mustache. Okay, if you have half a mustache, you're going to have to go down. No, I mean, down. it was full mustache. Half of it was white. Oh, we have full mustache and full half, mustache, white. half was white. So God gave him a weird look. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that, that okay, I can look the other me. way on that. <laughs> that terrified me. Yeah, yeah. Anytime yeah. it's half, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Bell's palsy. I was like, God did that to me. Yeah, yeah. My face. Well, froze. it's a bit. Yeah. If it's only half, it's a bit. That was God going, I'm bored today. Here's some mold. Half your face. Did you get it from mold? I think probably. Yeah, probably from mold. New in New York? No, that's funny you say that. We had mold in our house in Venice. Is that in the Steve house? Yeah. That explains Steve's act. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I was just looking was, for a way to it work in Joe DeRosa's sandwich wrappers. <laughs> so. uh, cheese is mold. Cheese is mold. Your defense is cheese is mold. <laughs> so, by the I, way, great sandwich. Have you ever been to Joe DeRosa's? I haven't, but I want to. It's actually really, yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah. All right. I couldn't see that doing out. it unless it. No, I know. You don't like to give Joe compliments? I'm completely joking. But but, but (laughs) if I do, I'll say edit that out. It's really good. Okay, so half mustache, under the house. He starts to put shelves, beds, mattresses. Uh, He's running electricity from our laundry to a a cable. Is Steve like Jesus Christ or is he just an idiot? You know what I mean? Was it like a move of compassion? I honestly think it's a combination. Steve's a super generous guy. He is, yeah. And I think part of it was like, I probably would have let the guy too, but as he started to go to remodel, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were watching TV, is that the Property Brothers down there? <laughs> when, when we were watching TV and we heard boom, 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 can yeah. you keep it down? No, shut the fuck up. Shut the boom, fuck boom, up. Boom, 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 on the, the floor. I was just giving a look to Katie because I was like, isn't it funny I said the Property Brothers because Jonathan Scott was on the show yesterday. Which shut is clear- up. Yeah, which is clearly why. You so only I- had one of them? Just one of them. <laughs> yeah, did- Drew and I have a beef. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How did you only get one? I thought they're like the Sklars. They have to come together. You know, I've always wanted to have just one of the Sklars on as well. You know why? I think that means a lot to twins. I think that's like... 
That's like a, that's that like too. watching somebody when they poop on their neighbor's lawn. I would like think that a, too. It's like a real. It's not why I did it. It's because I met Jonathan in the wild, uh-huh. twinless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how that happened. But do they go away from each other? I think so, but I they lose they have power. To be, it's like a Wi-Fi. I thought signal. it's like the Amazing Race. They have to be able to see the other <gasps> one the at room? all times. You have to be line of sight? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, so you're in your house, and Steve Byrne let a half-white mustache man <laughs> yeah. move in downstairs. He starts putting in shelving and bedding. Shelving, bedding, and you guys are like candles. Uh, you the can't gas- light a candle under the house? Guy, gas leak. Gas leak with lighting candles. So he's dead? No, he's not dead. Then these construction guys down the street come down, and they go, hey, what's up with the guy under your house? And I said, I don't know. They said, he's, you know, he's got a new bicycle every day. And I went, oh, they're like, he's like a known bike thief in Venice. And I was like, uh oh. So then they said, we think he stole our, known bike thief. We think he stole our tools. And I was like, okay, they're like, can we go under your house? I said, sure. Why don't you join? You know what? Why not? (laughs) At this point, why not? Get under there. Yeah. There is room at the end. So he goes under and he's like, here's all our tools. And I was like, oh, the guy's at the... So then I say, the guy's got to go. So uh, I tell the guy, I go, hey, listen, man, I understand you stole some stuff, blah, blah, blah. And you chill like that? Yeah, but he was a bit aggressive, like a... a Like a thief might be. Yeah, like a homeless Venice thief would be. (laughs) And uh, Venice is a a good flavor for this story. You have to say a Venice But like he told me he was down on his luck. And the first day he was like sweeping my steps. You just didn't know he wasn't getting lucky stealing stuff. (laughs) We had Craig Gass live on our couch for six months. He was a way better guest than Craig Gass. Wow. Like Craig Gass. (laughs) Yeah. And isn't Craig Gass sort of famously wild? Is that what we're implying? I only know him a little. Yeah. Craig Gass stayed for six months and gave me a uh, sleeve of uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. That was the thank you? (laughs) That was it. Six months? Wasn't a blanket. You could do... And you're a gift person. Yeah. And you're like... No, I didn't care. I just... No, I know. But when you give good good gifts, it's bad to get a sleeve of cookie dough. He just said to me, he goes, hey, uh," he came home one day and my girlfriend was with me at the time and... He goes, hey, do you like chocolate chip cookie dough? And I was like, who doesn't? Is there yeah. anyone in this world? Yeah, yeah. That we all risk salmonella for it. And <laughs> any day. And then he goes, because uh, Ralph's had a two for one, so I got you one. So he didn't get you one. <laughs> Ralph's got you one. Ralph's got I mean, you one. Don't tell me. I know. Don't tell I me. Know. That Why comedians are <laughs> lunatics. So I got this one free, so it means nothing to me. So here you go. Comedians are not talented. They're disabled. It's a, I agree. It's and you know what is another uh, mental illness? Fame. Fame is a mental illness. Fame is a detriment that, that uh, creates a mental illness. I like that. And I always am like, careful what you wish for. I have tiny, tiny, little, teeny bit of fame in Australia. Yeah. And I get there in the first two days I get there, I'm like, this is awesome. And day three, I'm like... How do I get rid of this? Oh wow, really? And what is the how do I get rid of it impulse? When someone When I do dumb things and people will be like I saw you. You're Eddie Ift. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just saw me do You that. saw me yeah. do surveillance while my father in law took a dump on a lawn. Yeah. And I'm just like, God, why? Why do I, why did I ever want any of this? <laughs> and the when grass, I was younger, I wanted it so badly. Can I say that salmonella is to cookie dough as an unwanted pregnancy is to sex? It's a very good analogy. <laughs> it's a very, very good analogy. So you know what's interesting? Here's a couple things. 
that I know about you. One is you went overseas and and got big there. Not big. Okay. I always say like people. I think it got overblown. Like people would be like, "That was the lore." That was in the Australia, lore. and yeah. I'm like, I'm not. I was on a lot of TV shows, but it was like panel shows, like the VH1 type stuff. Sure. But I mean, they only have four channels. So at the time. You're seeing them. You're seeing that. So I was on, but I wasn't like, Arge Barker is a household name. Yeah. And I would always be with Arge and people would be like, Arge Barker and you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, I was you. Yep. And if I, (laughs) if I wasn't with Arge, a lot of times they, no one would know who I was, but yes. because I was with Arge, they're like, oh, other American comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Arge was gigantic. What was the play? What was the, who told you about going overseas? And were you frustrated? Like, what oh, the fuck is with America? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, what was that period of your life? By the way, maybe you don't want to talk. Can I say no, this No, I can before? talk about anything. We're not going to forget to talk about that. I was listening to your newest record on the way in, Malibu. Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. And you're like so talented. You're really, really good. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I really, really do. And it's not just that you're killing, and you are, but there you don't lull. I, this is the same compliment I gave Sam J, but meaning I'm saying that because I want you to know I mean it for both of you. It, it It's like running water. It's natural. You I know just, what I mean? It's because I talk a lot. I could yeah, talk but for the days. themes are are tied together. Yeah, and stand up can be so jarring. Like now we're talking about this. Why? And you're just like somehow you tied well, it. Why? I appreciate that because right. I try, but I also feel like I watch guys like you, and I feel like you work really hard and are really talented. And then I go, "Oh, I suck. I'm a fraud. I'm a charlatan. I don't know how I figured this out." And I think we all feel that way. Okay. When you when I watch a great comic just doing it, doing the craft, it doesn't matter if it's Dave Chappelle, super famous, or some I don't want to name someone not famous, but somebody not famous, an open micer who's doing it, I'll still be like, God damn it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're just like yeah. fuck. I had a show uh, not that long ago where I got off stage and I said to Matt who tours with me, I was like, Am I done? You know what I mean? <laughs> We're never that far. And he was like, Pete, listen to the tape you killed. That's sometimes what, you're so tired. But you know that's what, what makes it like golf. I don't play golf. I hate I, golf. I agree. But golf I, already know I where played you're going. as a kid. You hit that hole in one and you go, I could be I a pro. It. I did it. I'm a I'm a pro level. I shot one shot yeah. into the hole. I should do this yeah. all the time. Everybody should watch me. And then there's a day you go out and shoot 150 and you're like, I'm done. I can't believe my parents kept me. Like, buddy, I feel so seen. I also use the same analogy. And after that show, which was great, by the way, it's just sometimes you're so tired Mm -hmm. and vulnerable and like tender and you've been doing too many shows and you're doing the show and, and you're feeling something that isn't happening except inside of you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you get off stage. And some of the, I'm not going to lie, some of the lines I was like, that just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that's like one of my favorite jokes. Yeah. And it just oh. didn't work. Yeah. And like, it's a joke that like works or doesn't work. Like there's a point and a twist and the twist is revealed and everyone's like, oh, it's, it's so I the get worst upstairs. feeling. But yes. And I love what you're saying because what happens, and I'm getting closer to being able to do this in real time, is you go, this is what makes stand-up something you can do your whole life. Endlessly interesting and compelling and meaning-making because you never know. You might go up and it might be kind of... Right. If it was always just home-run derbies, 
You get bored of that. But a thing that I've kind of programmed into my brain to make me get through that is there are times when I, I used to sell merch a lot. And after the shows, the nights that I would feel like I didn't do so well, yeah, I would sell the most merch. And I don't know if it's they felt sorry for me. <laughs> I, or, no, I'm going to say it's not that. Or they were listeners. And the reason I say that is I don't laugh a lot, but I'll go, oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's great. I love that. That's incredible. I like you'll hear me cackle when something goes goes awry or yeah, yeah, yeah. something shouldn't have happened or they say something that the crowd doesn't laugh at that I yeah, think yeah, is yeah. so and I want to show the crowd like you're all dumb. Yeah, you eat you eat crab guts. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is eating the claws and yeah. the, you're, like, you're like give me the You're guts. missing out yeah. on something so funny. I'm with you. So I went to see John Stewart once. I used to have the same manager as him. And I was doing a show at Acme in Minneapolis. And my manager goes, hey, you want to go see John? I was like, I'm kind of at the same time. Hmm. But I'll go watch like the first half of his show. So I went in and I'm like, he got me like great seats and I'm sitting right in the front. And it was, you know, nobody talks about John's stand up that much, but it was one of the best. Hmm. I saw like the first 45 minutes. It was like one of the best sets of comedy I've ever seen. Wow. I was blown away. Edit that out. And, <laughs> and I <laughs> Edit that out. He's had enough. He's had enough. Can't we instead start the lore that he's like eh. I laughed twice. <laughs> I saw. I laughed twice. Yeah. I was like, huh? Huh. <laughs> and and I said to myself right then, I was like, yeah. don't get mad when they're not laughing. Yeah. Like, but you know, you, you get that that's feeling what, that's when, what, when yeah. you walk off and somebody goes to you and you know you had a bad set and they're like, you were great. You were great. And you're like, no, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah. But wait, how did the John Stewart set tie? Were they quiet at points? No, I was really Oh, you quiet. were quiet. I so see. I was like, don't now get mad at the audience when they're not you're, laughing. This is actually where you and I in my opinion, we had like a classic comedy store green room hang where I felt really close to you. I think I even said that. I was <laughs> Which like, is weird, I feel really close to you right now. <laughs> we missed. Yeah, we missed. That's exactly right. You came in in the generation of guys that just stormed the business. Like the Blitzkrieg were known. You, I don't, I don't you know. You did. There was a whole group of <laughs> what you. If, what if I meant that? You mean the Blitzkrieg? <laughs> That's what we've been calling. We, we, we all, we have a, ch a thread. <laughs> we have we, a text thread. We met. There's a guy called Churchill. <laughs> the Krieg. <laughs> um, you. Yeah. We missed each other. I was in New York. Uh, you, which year did you start? In New York? Yeah. I moved Were you Chicago York. first? I was Chicago from 2001 to 2004. Then That's 2004 it. to 2000. That's why we missed. Yeah. Because I was New York from like 97 to about 2005, six. Yeah, barely. And I was- And you wouldn't have seen me then anyway because it was open mics and stuff. And I was going to England a lot. Yeah. And so when I came in, it was like a nightmare. It was so mean. New York. Oh, can I say- Nothing. I just love that you're pointing this out because it fucking was. It was the meanest thing. It was so mean. So mean. Every conversation was something that I'm like, uh, you know, like like aghast. It was either mean or it was like something, a story a pirate would tell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we stole their rum and you're but like, I, but Jesus now, Christ. But now I feel like that guy that like, I went through it. I you do know, too, but, of course. But 
No, I, I don't want anyone to ever have to do that me again. Me too. Dude, it was me and Nate Bargatze standing in a circle out, out front the cellar. We're, we weren't performing there. We just go and hang out there. And it's, you know, and these aren't bad people. I'm just saying they were like... Yeah, they are. They're terrible people. <laughs> there was a group of very bad people there. But, but I look at them like... <laughs> I look at them the way you look at a pit bull in a shelter. Yeah, that's great. They are abused. They're talented. That's why they're talented. Yeah. Because of the abuse that was inflicted on them. This is good. But they're going to bite you. Yeah, that's And right. they're going to bite your friends. Can I tell you one that I've, I've told this before? And it's Billy Burr, and we love Billy Burr. But it's, and there was a time when I was just so tail between my legs, open my guy, and I said something stupid, trying to be funny. I hadn't... I didn't know how to be that level of confident with like fucking all these greats, all these murderers and me and Nate, and we'd just keep our mouths shut. And then I said something. It doesn't matter what it was like. Yeah, that's why Eddie's wearing Navy is because they don't have army blue or something. And they trounced on him. Worse. Okay. Everyone was talking when I said it. Mm. The only one who heard me was Bill. And Bill goes, he said... And they were still talking. And then he waited. And I watched him wait. And he and he was like, he knew as soon as they stopped talking, like the newspaper, he's going to tell them. He said, and he did. And the most emasculated is maybe not exactly the right word, but I felt really, really maybe neutered or just fucking... Oh, sad, I, as you waiting told, as politely you, for Bill to introduce told, the topic. As you told me that, I could feel like it was like the trauma coming. It's back. trauma. It's it tra is. You're, and, and that's why we're ritualistic, ritualistically reenacting childhood trauma. I, I'm always saying that. But you have to get curious about what is what is the pain that's familiar to you? And how does it attract you to situations, relationships, people, friendships, jobs that like help you feel comfortably uncomfortable. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And then when you get older, you go, I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm not gonna do it to yes. the young guys either. No, I'm not gonna. I was in a fraternity in college and they tried to haze me and I was kind of like, no. And they would they would be like, you that better, worked. They better do like, you're gonna do this. And I was like, no, I'm not. you did the thing that I've always wondered. They're like, and the last one to jizz on the cookie yeah. has to eat it. And I, first of all, <laughs> and I was just like, the last one to jizz on the cookie. If you're doing that fucking horrible, I hope it's an urban legend, okie cookie thing. I think it's an urban everyone jizz on the cookie, and you're the last one to jizz on the cookie, and you have to eat it. Why would you still jizz? On <laughs> Why would you be like, ah oh, man, I'm gonna have to eat this cookie when I'm might done. As well, might as well put my own special sauce on there. <laughs> At least it's a little familiar. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe mine are over, overwhelm the yes. taste. Yeah, oh. you know. Um, I hope that's not real. No. So I, when I was in the fraternity, and they would do it, and I would just go, "No." I and love they, it. They and they would go, "Okay," because they really couldn't. And so then these are college kids. Yeah. Then when I became an older brother, they'd be doing it, and I'm like, "This is ridiculous." And they're like, "You're not going to go to the," and I'm like, "No." And and then I'd call pledges up to my room and I'd be like, they'd be like, make them do here. things. And I'd go, just sit here and watch TV. And they're like, you mean, or what are you going to do to us? And I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. Hey, hang out. Let's have fun. That's my fit. Cause that is, I see why you went from where we were to where we went because 
comedy is like a frat. It is. And there are people that believe in hazing. And I'm not... I think it was just the seller. I think the seller was worse than anywhere. And I, I just watched Patrice's documentary because somebody told me to see I haven't seen it. Is there a Patrice documentary? There's a Patrice documentary and they get me in it. Like they hammer me wow. again. And it was just like, oh, it's still happening. He's dead and they're still yeah. <laughs> coming at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was actually funny, but I think it was Burr or Norton told the story. But Jim Norton walked past stage one time. I was on at the cellar in front of like six people and he just comes down to go to the bathroom and he's as far as me to the camera. And he just, you know, you have to like go straight in the room and then you make that right. He goes, ugh. <laughs> he makes his patented sound. And the whole room hears it. He just looks in my face and goes, ugh. Can goes I? to the bathroom, comes out of the bathroom, looks at me again and goes, double ugh. <laughs> he said it again? So while he's peeing, he's like, I'm going to call it back. Yeah. And and I'm just on stage like, I got to quit this business. That's why, you know what I was thinking? There was a time around the same time where I sat at a table with Godfrey and I, but this is different. I said something and I made him laugh. And like, he was generous enough to actually like mm -hmm. engage and listen to me. And I made him laugh so hard. And I was like, I so have a chance. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to make of this. Cause I also, there's like a little badge of honor that I wear on the inside that I'm like, I went through a tough time and I'm reading, uh, I heard about it from someone, somebody, the coddling of the American mind or whatever. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't know if that's a controversial book. Yeah, I have to say this now. I don't know if that's like hate speech. I'm, I just started, <laughs> but it's very interesting. And it's talking about like how like negative experiences, uh, dis, uh, other opinions that you disagree with are really good for like sharpening you mm -hmm. up. And yeah. and and I, I just heard someone talking about the Navy SEALs and the reason why the training is so difficult is because they want like mm -hmm. insane people mm, of that course, yeah. like will go through anything yeah. to do it. That makes sense. And then I'm like, but I think we've seen something really interesting with comedy is that like we have a generation that isn't coming up through not at knife all. fights. Not at all. And they're, a lot of them are fabulous. I, I can't say everybody is, but that's never true. I w See, I'm going to disagree with you there. That they're not fabulous? I'm a big fan of action sports and because of the what internet. That like uh, Like skateboarding, BMX, surfing. Didn't it skate used to be called something else? Not extreme sports? <laughs> Extreme is like, I don't know. That's, I don't, I think they just call me. Isn't it funny that Tony Hawk looks like me? A little bit. I get it. No. We, we both have the Hitler haircut. I was going to say, he looks like a guy who's so relaxed he's going to fall asleep and he's like doing loop de loops he's in a so pipe. He's so amazing. He's so, he's like, he's like 50 some years old. He can still do everything. Really? He's, yeah. He cannot. He and Kelly Slater are both in their 50s. And are still, I mean. Who's Kelly Slater? Kelly Slater is one of the best surfers in the whole world. He's surfing on the world oh, Kelly tour. Kelly Slater, Kelly Slater. At 50, he's going to be 52 this year. No kidding. And it's like, it just makes me feel like we can all live forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, but, that's incredible. But back to, this is important to me. I say this all the time. The progression of all those sports is phenomenal because when I was a little kid and I rode a BMX bike, you'd read a magazine that came out every month and you'd see the trick and you'd have to kind of figure out how it was done in the pictures and someday meet someone that knew how to do it. And it yeah. would take 
it's like, like an information six trade. A year to learn it. I, you're giving me mine is video games, but somebody that knows yeah, how to do thing. a move, and you're exactly. like, you know how to do it exactly. Yeah, the and pattern. you call them. You know the pattern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now with the internet, they learn it the next day, and it's meaningless. And so they progress, and they progress, and they progress, and they. Progress. Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you were going a different way. I thought you were going to say because it's so readily accessible. The thrill of the pursuit is gone, so the meaning is drained. No. And they don't learn it. The they opposite. do learn it. They learn it and then they take it another step. Right. Like, oh, you did one backflip? I'm gonna do two. Oh, you did two, I'm gonna do three. I'm gonna put a twist in my three. I'm gonna put a one leg, you know, and they do this amazing stuff. In stand-up comedy, I thought that was gonna happen. Mm. I thought because they all have access. When I was coming up in stand up, you had like Evening at the Improv or Caroline's Comedy. I'd go hour. to the library. What would you I'd watch? I'd go to, to the, the library. library just to read books. Oh, the album. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Some libraries did have album and yeah. some libraries' album did have a VHS section. And I remember I found, and once eBay came out, I, I mean, old eBay. Right. No buy it now. You could only bid all this shit. I got Jerry Seinfeld's Stand Up Confidential. Wow. Have you seen that special? No. It has sketches in it, bro. <laughs> it I want to see Jerry that. doing sketches. It's I, all on YouTube now. I'm dying to yeah. see that now. And I, I know the sketches as well as I know the material because I watched that tape, you know, not until I wore it out, but I watched it over and over. But like it was a treasure to me and now you could get it on YouTube. And doesn't that, that kind of... I think it would rob it. I, I mean, yeah. I used to take the train into downtown Boston to find the one Tower Records that had a comedy set. You'd have to call them. So there was a quest and there was more meaning. When you found it, it was a big deal. That And it made it special. It did make it special. And it made me more likely to cherish it. And when you cherish it, you watch it and you take it very seriously. And that's why you know every word of it, yeah. which now the information just goes right in and right out. Well, that's right. And I couldn't just change, like just sidebar, what I do with my daughter... What I'm trying to do, she watches TV. We're not a zero screen family. But what I try to do is I go, before we turn it on, she won't always do this, but I go, before, we can watch, but before we turn it on, what do we want to watch? And that's what we're going to watch. Because like, Rather there's something just, about the committing. Right, right. And if she sees something else, which she will, because that's how it's designed, you're like, no, we, we decided we're going to watch that's this. That's a good idea. I'm going to try that. With yeah, friends. because that's what we should be doing with ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like that. I mean, I will get caught in a scroll. But of course. I don't want to lose this train of thought because I really believe Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Please, so, I'm stoked to hear you say so, what so, you're about to say. Berenstein Bear. So the comedians. <laughs> Nelson Mandela. Come on, magic mirror on the wall. <laughs> What's the other one? Uh, Luke, I'm your father. What is it really? I'm your father. He doesn't say Luke. I love it. And how would you take that quote and make it a, a meme? You'd have to add Luke. Otherwise, it just sounds like you're saying, I am your father. I am your father. But I'm with you. It's interesting the way memory works. Okay, so back to this. Yeah. We're going to get there. Um, I can tell you're a podcast host, and I love it. I just have been thinking about this so much lately, this, this idea. The comedians today get popular through likes, views, everything so they're constantly buddha like the buddhist thing is always like it's about the intention not the outcome you should be intention oriented not outcome mm. and i believe comedy has switched from intention to outcome where i used to sit around the clubs and we would all talk i feel like we should take a four minute silence just to, that's really good what you just said we've but, shifted from 
intention to, to outcome. It's like we're so commercial, yeah. so not about just the art. Just sell it. Yeah, just yeah, sell it. Sell it. Make it. Make more. Can I sell add more. to that? That I know that there are some YouTubers that think of the title and the thumbnail first yes. and then reverse engineer the content well, because I've, they know people will click on it. I've talked to, I've had like really good social media managers and they're like, hey, is there any way you can get the punchline and have it said in the first three seconds? Because then it'll keep people and we need to get them to stay. The engagement. And, and we need clickbaity titles and we need this. And I just go, you guys do this because it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stay. I'm going to do what I do. Yeah. I'll just give you, you take my Dropbox and do whatever you do with it. But I have to get out of this because I'll, I'll, I'll quit the business. I feel you. Keep going. So we've shifted from intention so to we've, outcome. So the comedians today are more focused on uh, on what they're making and how they're going to sell it and how they're going to get go viral and be popular without doing the hard work of creating the art. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm that old man and I didn't want to be it. But one night I was at Zany's last year in Chicago and I did my show. And after my show, they had the Vernon open Hills? mic. Uh, no, is it the, is there one in Vernon Hills? Yeah, there is one in Vernon Hills. Is or there, there really? was. Oh, I did the one downtown. Yeah, yeah, And I went to get food and I came back and I'm like, I haven't watched an open mic in a while. I'm going to watch the open mic. Wow. So, you know, when you watch an open mic and you see, you always see like one or two people that you're like, oh, oh, like that's amazing. Or this yes. person's got it. Or yeah. they're going to. Dude, um, I was in an open mic. Everyone knows the story, but I love saying it. And I saw someone say, you ever see a kid so fat he looks like he has a job? And I was like, that's the greatest joke I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I can't help, every time I see a kid that's a little heavier, I'm like, he looks like he has a job. That's a great <laughs> observation. Because they look like little men is really all he's saying. But like, that, yes, so I'm with you. <laughs> so you see it and you're like, oh my God. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to mention any, I don't know any of the names, but I didn't see anything. No to, name. Nobody did that. Nobody got anything that like made me go, oh. So I went upstairs because I like couldn't take it anymore. I went upstairs, I'm eating, and the, all the comics are up there. And I'm listening to them converse. And they're like, what love mic do you use? And they're going, I've been editing on Premiere, but I somebody's telling me I should use Final Cut Pro and uh, blah, 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 or, or uh, whatever the other one is. And they're like, um, you know, but I, I was thinking of using two cameras and blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening to all this. And I'm just listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. I'm remembering, and this is me being the old man, I'm remembering the room going, did you hear Hedberg's joke? Did you hear uh, Geraldo? Did you hear that bit Geraldo did? I heard he did it like this the other night. Mm. But, 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 he doesn't always say that. He adds this in. Mm. And I wrote this joke. What do you think of this? What if I said this? And then somebody goes, you can't say that because so-and-so says that. And it, it was all joke talk. And now I'm hearing all... Angles, cameras, uploads. Every single bit of, and I, I went like this, and I, this is unlike me, but I went, excuse me. And I don't know if any of them even knew I was the headliner earlier or anything, and I didn't want to be like, hey, I'm, I just went, I don't know if you guys, I'm nobody, but I'm listening to all of you, and I've been doing this for like almost 30 years. And I go, all I've heard you guys talk about is the business side of the business, and I haven't heard any of you talk about the art. Mm. None of you. And I go, it's really gross. And I go, you said that? I go, it's gross. Luke, I am your father, and, and it's I really said, gross. And and I said, and 
and and it's just it's making me sick. It's funny because I can picture the green room, which is where I met Mitch Hedberg, by the way. Oh wow! I need to hear room. that story too. I love a Mitch Hedberg meet. Like I can. Well, he was mine. very awkward. Wait, let's let's. Yeah, I yeah, want yeah. A pin in. We'll put a pin. And I said, yeah, put a pin in. It's a, there's a pin in Hedberg. I'm so uh, with you. I want the Hedberg. I want to add to your story. By the way, I was just at Wise Guys in Salt Lake. And the owner was like, "When you, the, we have an open mic, and you look at the back, and it looks like it's a news conference. It's everybody has a has two phones, two cameras, GoPros, all this stuff filming." I say this as someone who came from open mics that were terrible. I'm not, and I didn't see the open mic, but you're filming nothing and yeah. editing it, yeah, and putting it up, hoping that lightning strikes, right. Don't get me started on how Instagram is ruining stand-up. People are talking to the comedian more because all we're posting are these fucking bullshit clips that aren't funny. Crowd work is for the live audience only. What's your name? Eddie If if I have a better last name? (laughs) Why the fuck is that in my feed? And it's encouraging. Nice hat. Is that a VCR hat? (laughs) The younger generation thinks that's what they're supposed to do now. And crowds think that's what they're supposed to do. I just... Look, the crowds were great in Salt Lake, but I noticed if I said anything to anybody... They were like, I'm going to be in the video. Exactly. I went, you guys know Bad 80? I have a joke about how my parents are Bad 80, and someone just goes, no. I'm like, that sometimes happens anyway, but it's happening more yeah. that people are like, here's my time. <laughs> Do crowds go to crowd open mics where they work on their fucking shit? I might say... uh that's gotta hurt. You say hey oh. We should do that as a joke. We should be like, hey, we're having a crowd practice. Yeah, we're if you guys want to come down to the improv. We're gonna practice being crowd. That's doing, so funny. Doing crowd work. I don't want to sound like a turd, but every show I do is crowd practice for you to sit there and be a crowd. <laughs> There's your practice. You know why? The greater good, that's why. Some fuckhead is like, this helps the show. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it's not, I'm not mad at you. And look, I'm like you. I'm the guy that's like, I'd like to shine. Well, shine. But you know what you got to do before you shine? Fucking polish your fucking balls. Well, that's what (laughs) one one of the kids said to me. One of the kids that night when I said that goes, you don't get it. He goes, it's so hard to move up. You've got to have a viral video. And it's the only way you're going to get spots and get recognized. And I go, I think you guys are off. I said, I sat down there during your open mic and I'm not going to lie to you. If I saw something that I really liked, I would have told every club owner in the country. I go, I go to clubs. I'm friends with the owners. I would have been like, there's this kid in Chicago. You got to see him. Yeah. He's so amazing. Yeah. It, 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 and made by me the sp- way, I believe you and I do similar things. You know why? It's not even philanthropy. It's, the love it's the of, wonderful flow of energy yeah. that we were given, and it's a privilege to give it. You yeah. know what I mean? When you see somebody new and you're like, God, oh. not only is it good for them and makes you feel nice to do something good, but put all that aside, it makes you look good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's in the mix. You're like a curator of good comedy. And, and you're and, helping comedy. Right. And I remember when I saw Gerard Carmichael at like a, like a, horrible jay davis show like at some bar somewhere an hjds <laughs> horrible jay davis show some of jay i got an hjds yeah this was an hjds and i watched gerard i don't and, know anything about and jay i went shows. oh my god like it was like yeah oh i see it yeah i see this and that's a great that's feeling gonna... it's like falling in non-romantic non-sexual luck yeah yeah You're like oh <gasps> 
someone's doing it. Yeah, Cause yeah. Here's, I think what you're saying too is there's nothing more impressive than just incredible stand up comedy. Oh, and to reduce it to a Girls Gone Wild video where it's like, that's what it is. We've, oh, I, I had a moment. And look, I want to be very clear. I understand comedians posting crowd work videos. I'm very lucky that I have a lot of content and mm -hmm. I can do that. And if I didn't, would I be posting little riff and mo? Yeah, probably. I'd probably do it too. Probably, yeah. If that's so, the way the system's. I love our people. And I'm just going like, be a Jedi. Be a fucking surprise. Get really good. You know, like uh, Inside Lewin Davis, you know that movie? Oh, Oscar yes, Isaac? yes. He goes, uh, you never release your old, old shit. It, it ruins mystique. I was like, that's right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so exciting. To, now I sound like an old man, but the reason I went to Chicago for as part of it was it was like this great incubation. Mm -hmm. There was mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of mm -hmm. scene there. It's different now, but like I wanted to be a little anonymous, and that was that's what Gaffigan and Burr and all these guys told me. Then you go to New York, and yeah. I was already three years good. That's and you go to an open mic where everyone's three weeks good, and you're three years good. Now you you get booked shows. Somebody told me uh, you're only new once. Don't let them see your growing pains. Only one chance, one chance to make a first impression. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, we're in that business. Yeah, there are clubs that if they see you suck, they'll never. never that's the yeah. way the fucking brain works. It's a pattern recognition bullshit I've, machine. I've, I've had one of the biggest guys in the business on the industry side, who used to be somewhere else, saw me have a horrible set. And it has followed my career. Like yeah. he, he just keeps getting in more and more important positions. And everywhere he goes, I'm like, I'm out there. He's the guy. And I'm out there. And I'm like, told my manager, I'm like, can we buy him a vacation so that he will watch me? A new association. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how do we break that pattern? But and, you're, you're absolutely right. And I saw Louis say to young people in a talk, scandal noted, that's what I like to say. Um, scandal noted. And I saw him say, <laughs> I saw, scandal noted. It's the, it's the least time consuming way to say, like, I understand that that's sort of like an inciting yeah. person. Um, but I saw him say to young people, just opt out. Like I see people, uh, booking clubs cause they have 70,000 Instagram followers and yeah, we will let you work. And dude, I hate to admit this. There've been people that asked to do the podcast. So I'm, I'm a whore yeah, at yeah, times yeah. in that way too. And I go, yeah, right. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Same here. Same because here. that's the fucking gross. I'm embarrassed to admit that mm -hmm. I don't do it all the time. And that's the gross capitalistic model sure. that we're all kind of stuck in. But Louis saying opt out. We have to feed our children. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the the middle way of this, I'm like, do both, you know, maybe right. post some clips, uh, but just be careful. You know what I mean? You can't also, you also can't reinvent yourself. Like when Dimitri Martin started, I don't know if he was doing his style. No, he wasn't. I started kind of with Dimitri. We were good friends. We, we wrote a film together. Oh, no way. Yeah. Which one? It's not it the never, one about no, the No, we never, we the, never finished oh, okay. it. We never, it was, it was a funny film. It was about a, a, a renegade marching band. It was about a marching band that uh, it was the quarterback gets kicked off the football team because the coach is cheating and he's a good saxophone player. And so he goes into the band because it's the only way he can keep his scholarship. And he's a stud and they're all nerds and he doesn't like that they're being shit on. So he kind of has them revolt and it's based on the Stanford marching band, which is, have you ever seen anything about the Stanford marching no. band? No. 
oh, watch the documentaries. It's the most amazing thing ever. Really? They were like, they were like the coolest geeks ever, ever, ever. What does this mean? Oh, they had like a band house that was like a frat house kind of thing. And they would dress up. They would torture other teams. They would, um, (laughs) they, like when Reagan had cancer, they, they made a nose on the field like with a tumor on the nose oh and then out of their shape you know how they all yeah in formation and then they had like a scalpel come in and cut the tumor off and they were just you know really smart creative people. can i i want to admit because this movie didn't didn't exist i want I, when you said renegade marching band you know what i really wanted was some situation where a high school is taken over and the marching band kill like toy soldiers kills, kills the terrorists with their instruments that's where i was going <laughs> Just for that sort of like get out moment where someone shoves a flute through someone's neck. It's like really grotesque. I'm on a high school chat with my seven best friends from high school and we talk 20 times a day and uh, they buy lottery tickets now and it drives me nuts because they talk about it and I won't buy and they shit on me all day long about it. And they said, what are you doing? You should be out buying a lottery ticket. I said, I'm writing a film about a group of guys that all buy lottery tickets and one guy doesn't buy them and they hit and they get billions of dollars and they won't share it with them. And so he murders them one by one. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Do you want to know my lottery movie? Yeah. I win the lottery. Let's say it's me and you. I win the lottery. And I'm worried that I will lose all relatability Mm -hmm. as a comedian. So I don't want to claim it. So let's say you're my brother, you're not a comedian. I give you the ticket. I ask you to claim it so you can be in the pictures and everything. And then you abscond with the money. And then I have to like find you and murder you with, with a flute though. Is this the life of Dane Cook? It is similar to Dane. You know, when Dane did my pot, I was like, oh yeah, your, your brother-in-law stole like a million dollars. And he goes, 10 million. Was it 10? That's what he said. I, I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. It's so much more money than you think. Oh my God. Isn't that terrible? Oh. And you know the story is they're in jail. They know where the money is, and they're just riding out their sentence. So when they get out, they can go get the money. But if I was Dan, I'd just have the best private investigator following him everywhere. Uh, I think we all know there's going to be a guy in a Superfinger t-shirt in an idling Chrysler in front of the prison. And he's, he's going to be... I, I picture a Trans Am. Okay, a Trans Am. A Trans Am. Yeah, with uh, aviators and... Um. No, there's iridium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the ones I was trying to think that yeah. are back in style. Yeah, yeah. I picture him. Okay, go back to how uh, the young people stink. I, I interjected by saying the the open mic. But is you, like a you press summed conference. it up. No, okay, but we you, got it. You summed it up, and that's the that's the. We'll, oh, and we'll I didn't stick the landing on the Louis thing because I'd like to know. I want to talk about that middle way thing. He's like, just don't do it. Just become incredible. That's kind of what we're saying. That's what they all. I mean. Uh, my old manager that I love, this guy James Dixon. You ever hear of Baby Doll? Um, That's what he went by. Everybody calls him Baby Doll. Um, Even John Stewart. John. They all call him. Is Baby this Doll. the guy that used to manage yeah. John? Stewart? Jimmy Kimmel, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert. He had everybody. I know the Snowman, Frosty the Showman. No, that's an agent. Okay. Well, this guy, he Edit just used out. to say to me. <laughs> Be undeniable. Just be, and that's what Barry. That's Katz the says. advice that I got from Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, they just they got it from Baby Bar- Doll. Barry said it. Barry Katz said it a lot. Um, be, just be undeniable. Yeah, hey man, yeah, I'm trying to be think. undeniable. But uh, they ignore you until they can't. I actually saw that on a T-shirt, and I was like, "Fuck, 
every you know broken clock, broken T-shirt. I was like, that's that's right. A little side Barry story. Yeah, I was listening to his podcast, and he always says, if you have a problem with someone in this business, make up with them. Reach out the olive branch, make friends with them. It's not, it's just, it's not worth it. Blah blah blah. And Barry and I had a beef, so I call him. He lives out near where I live. We meet up for coffee, and I was like, "Hey, Barry, I listen to your podcast, and you were saying, and I, you know, that you should clear up your differences." And I said, "I just want to apologize if there was any bad blood between us." And and he goes, "I don't know what you're talking about, man." <laughs> I thought about Barry yesterday because i did barry's pod this is that i think i heard your barry podcast maybe because i really liked his podcast i liked doing yeah i thought it was really fun but one of the things that i remember from the barry cats episode that conversation we had and i was thrilled because he's you know he's in comedian Mm -hmm. he's like a legend Mm -hmm. and i was like oh this is great so i was very and i have all respect for him so it was just a something that really stuck with me. It might be a generational difference. But he, my wife and I yesterday were planning a vacation, just a little trip. And I was like, I always think of Barry saying, don't worry about, I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but he's like, don't worry about like spending time with your kids and like dropping them off at school and stuff. They don't remember any of that. They only remember vacations. And I was like, what is this thought system? What is this? Yeah, what what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Look, he might not feel that way anymore, but I was like, I couldn't disagree more. Yeah, me too. It's only the rides to school. I do remember vacations a lot. Yeah, however, horrible hornet's nests <laughs> of being stuck with people. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I had a, I always like to say I had a pretty good this is where i always felt like i didn't fit into comedy i had a, I had a very good upbringing like i love my parents love my siblings i love your parents thank you and um <laughs> and they love you they always love you. <laughs> my mom lo- my mom's past but my mom loves loved dean edwards nice she would always say to me she saw him live she saw him live he talked to her yeah and he's handsome Handsome, Talented. and he's the nicest person in the yeah, world. Yeah. And he would call her mom. He's like, "How's mom? How's mom?" That, and he saw her a few times, and yeah. he, and she's like, "He's smooth." And my mom's he's like smooth. this, you know, little yeah. white lady from Pittsburgh. That's like, oh, she's like, I love that guy with the big, yeah, you know, the afro. She's like, he's my favorite. Wow. And she just loved him because he was just, she, and it wasn't even the comedy. It was just, of course, he was just so nice to her. What I like about, I like a lot of things about that story. Uh, and it kind of brings me back to what I was saying about the comedy store. We don't know. I love what you said about don't, don't freak out if they're quiet. They might just be listening. That's something Val, my wife says to me too, because I'll get off and I'll be like, eh, what was that? And she's like, Pete, Sometimes they're just, they're running out of steam. Mm. Like it might not be the bit and it might not be you. Like stop taking it so personally. And that's what you said. We were talking, do you remember the exact context? It was like, I got mad. I didn't let it out, but I did get mad at some way that someone said something or ruined a bit or something. I don't even, I don't remember. At the store that night? Yeah, I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. What, what, What it was, it was I felt something that made me uncomfortable and I was taking it very personally. And you were like, this is why I read the four agreements. Mm-hmm. 
And I re- I've been rereading The Four Agreements since we saw each other. It works for comedy, doesn't it? We'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit. I mean, I, would you mind? Because I realized I was getting in a trap. Before you get to The Four Agreements, Eckhart Tolle tells this story about the, the monk with sweaty palms. Have you heard about the monk with sweaty palms? No, but I have sweaty palms all the time, so I feel like the monk. It might be the monk with shaky hands. Mm. I also have clammy hands. Yeah. I have a bit about it. I can put out a candle without licking it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> See, you got to know your audience. I'm like, if you have sweaty hands, I'm uh, ready. It's hyperhidrosis. Is that what it's called? It's called hyperhydrosis. And I had it that as a kid. sounds like something Gatorade would claim. And I grew up really Catholic and would go to church every single Sunday. And I was an altar boy and everything. And the part where they go, the peace of the Lord be with you always and also with you. And then they go... Uh, Hand of pace or whatever. When you shake hands with the people next to you, I was like, <sighs> yeah. and so the fist I, bump is a gift to hydro oh, hydrosis. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only when I'm nervous yeah. and church, knowing that it was coming. Yeah, it got to the point when I was old enough. My family would all be in the pew together, and I would just go, "See ya." Yeah. How and about I the wave leave, of peace? Yeah. Time to bathroom. Yeah, yeah, bathroom yeah. break for Eddie. Yeah. Irish Catholic goodbye. And I. <laughs> I would just head to the bathroom and then come back and I'd be like, fine. And my sisters would look at me and they'd yeah. go, Ooh, are your hands getting sweaty? Yeah. And I was like, oh, just stop. Yeah. Stop. No, I, I relate hard to that. In college was the their peak sweatiness. And that was every, I was only, fr- I was friends with mostly girls and they were all, they were like sisters now that I look back. I never had a sister, but in college I just yeah. had this like gaggle of lady friends and they would like, tease me mercilessly about my sweaty hands and they were like i remember one of them said with good intentions they were like and you'll find someone someone who doesn't even mind your sweaty hands and she wasn't even trying to be funny and you know what my bit was and isn't this a comedian i'd go i i don't even remember i somehow linked it to virility to like i'm like so so charged not even jizzy (laughs) because I was such a sweetie. I wouldn't have said that, but I would have. I was. I somehow found a way to be like. It's because I'm emanating. So yeah, much fluid. I can't even do it now. I don't know how I did it. But what was I saying? Oh, the monk with shaky hands. Is there was a monk who uh, believed himself to be enlightened, and he was going to give a talk for like 500 monks, and he's backstage. What's on his rider? Like a gong? I'm just kidding. We're just riffing. What's on your rider? Fucking vegetarian fit. Okay. Uh, and he noticed he's about to go on stage and his hands are shaking. He's nervous. So he left. He walked into the woods like you. And he didn't uh, return to society until he had actually reached enlightenment. This is probably a myth at this point. Uh, but... The reason why he realized he wasn't fully cooked, as I like to say, like he hadn't reached realization, was because he was nervous. Because he was like, if I know it's all one and I'm just talking to myself, or like it's not real, or however you want to phrase this, why would I be nervous to like be in a dream where I'm just giving a talk? Like, who cares? Like, you see the monks that were at Shanling's funeral, and they're going up after the greats. Yeah. Bob Saget murders for yeah. 40 minutes. And now Trungpa, you know, like this guy. I saw the footage and I was like, these cats are the real deal. They were not monks with shaky hands. They followed, you and I would be like, yeah. I can't fall. Yeah. Professional comedians. And they go up, they don't do comedy. They sit in a temple and they kill and they're calm and they're steady. And they're just in this way that right. you're just like, 
Oh, you can't fake that. And I like that nerves is an indication that I've forgotten that you're me. Like if I was nervous talking to you, it would be because millions of reasons, but like one way I can calm myself is I'm just like, I'm just kind of talking to myself. It's just like a dream and we're each these localized things. Let's not get too deep, but you see what I'm saying? No, I do. See if that. I can get in touch with oneness, anxiety goes away. Pardon the interruption, weirdos. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Armra. You guys know I'm always on the lookout for ways to strengthen immunity, gut health, improve my fitness, my metabolism, recovery, enhance hair, skin, radiance. Well, I recently discovered, I don't know how I was in the dark on colostrum, but Armra colostrum. I just discovered this. Thousands of five-star reviews from life-changing testimonials from users. What is it? Colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and contains all of the essential, essential nutrients our bodies need in order to thrive. And it turns out we can supplement this, which is really cool. Armra colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 living bioactive nutrients that rebuild the barriers of your body and fuel cellular health for a host of research-backed health benefits. It strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism and anti-inflammation, fortifies gut health, activates hair growth and skin radiance, powers fitness recovery and performance, and confers powerful anti-aging benefits. I mean, that's insane. How did I not know about this? Armra is premium bovine colostrum concentrate, and unlike any other products on the market, it is wholly natural sustainable and was developed with the highest integrity from start to finish. Since I've been taking it, I'm noticing all sorts of benefits, hair, skin glowing, feeling that radiance from inside, gut health, you know, and everything that goes along with that is improved metabolism. I've been feeling great in that regard and working out, I get, you know, I'm 44, I get sore muscles, sore shoulders especially. This is helping in my performance in fitness and super important, my recovery. I've also noticed that this is the season that kids are bringing home colds and stuff. Old Holmesy's over here. I'm rocking it just fine. Supporting your immune system comes down so much to supplementation and Armra is making a huge difference. We've worked out a special offer for my audience. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra, A-R-M-R-A dot com slash weird or enter weird to get 15% off your first order. That's tryarmra, T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash weird and get it in you. Support your body and support this show. Speaking of support, we can also be supporting the earth with our friends at Blue Land. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? 5 billion. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water. This makes no sense. It's heavy to ship, leads to excessive carbon emissions on the trucks, hauling them around the country. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine, chlorine, excuse me, chlorine and ammonia. I combine the two into chlorine. 
That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. And it doesn't have to be this way. We don't need water to be shipped around. Blue Land is here to fix this. They're on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet. Their idea is simple. They offer endlessly refillable, refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design, which looks great on your counter. That's actually kind of the hook that we got into it. We saw it at someone else's house, the clean white bottles, and the mission took it over the top. We were a Blue Land fam. Just fill your bottles with your own water <laughs> that you have in your house, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. You'll never even have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run and refill start at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, all Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about, and you'll be doing something wonderful for the planet and save some bread. Blue Land has a special offer for weirdos. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash Y-M-I-W. Like you made it weird, Y-M-I-W. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash Y-M-I-W for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash Y-M-I-W, 15% off. All right, everybody, let's get back to Eddie Ift. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's flow state. That's uh, totally... I don't want to get all metaphysical, but I, I was listening like that. We are the only beings that actually suffer from our past and our future. Mm. Like we get, we, 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 we have anxiety of the future and we have pain from the past where most animals live in the now. Yeah. And if we could get to the now, which is getting to the now is what this, this was somebody who was explaining death to me and they were saying, that's what death is, is like you're, almost in this like complete like when you meditate and there's nothing yeah and that nothingness we observe the universe our whole life and then when we die we are the universe yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's like you are god Can you I? are yes. universe or god oh, you so you, be, you become you just have tired of talking. i'm so excited to oh, talk about this oh so you become god you become the universe and it's like when we achieve that and so like the monks are the closest thing to that because yeah. they've figured out how to get to that where they don't have the anxiety or the... Yeah, because the river ran back into the ocean. Yeah. The thing that I was going to... Very excited to tell you, I always mention Rupert Spira. I think he's incredible. And he talks about how this consciousness without an object, meaning a sense of awareness, but nowhere to point it. And you could say death is like that. Mm -hmm. it's, you just become awareness itself. And what's interesting, I was doing this on the ride down. I was just kind of listening to Yacht Rock and just kind of being aware. And it was absolute bliss. And you notice that your awareness actually isn't neutral. It seems neutral when you are first getting into it, kind of exploring it. But you actually start to recognize that it has attributes. This like knowing presence that's looking at your eyes and mm -hmm. listening out your ears and all that stuff. It itself is peaceful. And you could even use words like is happy, is mm -hmm. like fulfilled, mm -hmm. because it's one. It's not, it's separate. So we like it. Okay, that's a nice idea but let's talk about the exploration of that idea and he would say every night we go to bed and in deep sleep like your deepest sleep not dreaming nothing you're just gone um he would say that's not the absence of awareness that's the awareness of absence so it's pure knowing but there's nothing to know and that's kind of like death and he goes but we don't dread going to sleep at night no we're not afraid to go to sleep right. at night. He goes, you look forward to going to sleep at night because when you are unencumbered and naked 
And I, I'm not thinking about, like this morning I woke up and you know that feeling where it just, oh, that thing I was worried about when I went to sleep, like re latches to me. And I go, shit, because it was so nice being asleep. Sure. And, and further evidence to his point, if it was the absence of awareness, we would close our eyes and then would wake up and it's the morning. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen sometimes. That, that's sometimes how our brain narrativizes the experience. But we all know it felt like how long it felt. Like it felt like right. 10 hours. Weird question. Have you ever had a colonoscopy? Am I about to get one? <laughs> I'd there's love a, to get one. There's a camera on this microphone. <laughs> I had my colonoscopy and they gave me propofol, which is the, the drug that killed Michael Jackson. Um, they, it says that on the that, bottle. That's the way the doctor sold it to me. She goes, you have two choices. You can do propofol, which is what killed Michael Jackson, or we can give you fentanyl, which killed everybody else. <laughs> I mean, and I'm facts, like, dark you, joke, but I'm Thank real. God you didn't go into sales. Yeah. I go, this is a... Uh, and I said, I don't like to be put into a deep sleep. I've done it for a couple surgeries, wisdom teeth. I go, I don't, I don't want that. And she goes, mm, I think you do. And I was like, why not? She's like, because fentanyl, you're not really out. You're kind of there, and there's going to be a bunch of guys playing in your butthole. And I was like, okay, let's... Uh, Did she say playing in your yeah, butthole? Yeah, that's exactly... Those were her words. Who is this doctor? Yeah. I, <laughs> you have to go to... Did like, she live under your house in yeah. Venice? <laughs> you have to go to this initial meeting. I didn't finish that story. We'll get back to that. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But so anyway, I took the propofol, which is kind of weird. And when they gave it to me, they're like, you're out in three, three two, one, boom. You're and just it, watching the credits and, of your life. Executive producer, Eddie. <laughs> and everyone said to me, they go, you are going to have the best nap of your life. It's like this sleep. And it's not, it's dark light. You are like out and you're out. It's not like sleep. It's not like, you know, you're gone. It's the closest thing I think to, time to being dead. Yeah, dead. And I think it's because you wake up and you're like, well, what is life? Time Eddie? travel. It's very time. Travel. Life is the exp is experience is awareness plus time, right? So we can tell a story. Sure. And you were experiencing because I've I've smoked five meo DMT, and that also oh, yeah. is eternal and timeless. It was it was nothing. What I'm saying is we're talking about eternity. You experienced. I, I don't know what you experienced. I'm wondering if you experienced close to the eternal and the eternal eternity doesn't mean endless time. Like, wow, we've been in heaven that's what a I long do. time. It means the absence of time. That's what I do. That's my fear of death is that, and I have huge fear of death. Mm. I'm going to a therapist right now because I have a thing called clethrophobia and uh, it's a fear of being trapped and I can't ride That's why you don't wear a wedding ring. It's exactly why. Yeah. And um, your bit made me go, I started going like, oh. yeah, I can come off. Oh, Mine's actually very loose. I, this is like my third one. I've lost it see, in lakes and stuff. Did you see Jimmy Fallon's finger? Yeah, but I'm not doing a lot of falling in my kitchen. <laughs> I'm not trying to say anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to say anything. Jake, this is not the clip. This is for <laughs> listeners of the pod only. No, in fairness, I could fall in my kitchen. I saw a guy who jumped on a, a bar to swing and the ring just degloved it. It's called degloving. For anybody, I don't, don't. Which is what don't. killed Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> the 
I was just thinking, Katie, we haven't had like a really big podcast where the bit emerges from the conversation. Uh, Don't anybody Google degloving. Do horrible. not do it. Do I'm telling you, it's one of the most horrific things you'll ever see, and it's why I can't wear a ring. But no, but it, I feel trapped. I can't. I get it. My roll, dad doesn't didn't wear one either. Roller coaster bar. Yeah. yeah. Over me. Uh, you I don't feel snug as a bug. I used to love them. Used to love roller coasters. I sleep in belts. <laughs> Could you imagine on an airplane? That'd be great on an airplane. In the airplane, I let out all the slack so that I could slide out. But that's not safe, Eddie. I don't care. I'm. I. It says high and tight across your lap, and the yeah. nearest exit may be behind you. <laughs> you you've got that. Every time I think this, I go. It does, it's not worth it. Go. But I. It's so I can slide out if I need to. Yeah. Um, I don't like bathrooms with uh, with windows. But I'm fixing it. I'm really working. You don't on like it. bathrooms with windows. You can't go out. No, of? if it doesn't have a window. Oh, you just want a window. Yeah, I need to be able to break out. You know, all I'm feeling is everything you're saying is completely valid, which is what my therapist used to say. He goes, paranoia is correct. We just have to get over it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we can validate all of that. I just, my biggest feeling right now is I wish you could experience the snugness of, like the good constraints. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like that's something that you're, it's like when people are allergic to peanuts, I'm like, oh, Thai food. You know, <laughs> when you're saying this, I'm not thinking what a weirdo. I'm thinking like, oh, like a little like secret closet where you go in and read your comics. Like you don't get that. No, it's, we're, I'm doing this thing called EMDR. Yeah, I know EMDR. And, uh, but explain it a little bit. It's, it's like a bilateral, you move your eyes in different ways. Yeah, you move your eyes, or or they, you can wear headphones with beeping, or hold buzzers that buzz buzz. And basically, the the woman that that uh, founded it discovered she was working with like PTSD patients, and that um, she had cancer. And when she would walk through the woods, don't or, tell the marching band. Well, <laughs> when she, they do it for non-celebrities? That doesn't seem okay. Here they come, onto the field. <laughs> That's how your doctor tells they you? They played a song called Get It Out, too. Oh, my they God. Took the, um, anyway, she figured out that when she would walk, her eyes were moving side to side, and at the end of the walk, the yeah. fear would be gone. But it's it's about like your fears you know, starting your limbic system, and they move up. And when we're young, when all the trauma's formed, we don't have the... Our brain's not fully formed uh, in the frontal lobe to uh, kind of work those fears out. Mm. And so they stay stuck kind of in our brain. And this rewires it. It sounds very similar to EFT. Have you heard of EFT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. very tapping. Is that the tapping? Tapping, but it, it also has like a, you look this way, yeah. you look that way. I think way. it's almost the same thing. I think it's very similar. and Because she does fingers like you can do. EFT for those emotional freedom technique, which sounds so stupid, which yeah. is why we call it EFT. But like, that's one of those things I file under. Like, why don't I do that more? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Like, it works. I mean, one it session. Helps. I didn't even do a session. I just talked to her, and I was like, I feel so much better yeah. already. Yeah. And on to like, I get it. I get. And this is to work on what? I don't ride elevators. Hmm. And it's my sister lived on the fifteenth story in New York City, and I used to stay with her. I had a class at the University of Pittsburgh on the 42nd floor. You walked up? I just didn't go. 
No elevator. I showed up for the final, and the professor went, well, it's nice to meet you. Wow. And I was like, well, I just climbed Everest to get to you. Yeah, I'm not normally this wet. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's cr- I, It's more okay. than my hands. So it's inconveniencing your life. Yeah, at this point. And it's, you know what got me? Is my kids are old enough now that they're starting to make fun of me. Uh-huh. And I realize I can't be a good father because I've got to make them feel safe. Right. And if I don't feel safe, then they won't feel safe. And so I really need to fix this like quickly because wow. they're like, my four-year-old son's going, come on, dad, you're going to ride the elevator with me. And he's like, you'll be okay. Wow. <laughs> and I'm and like, do you? No. I was just in Vegas all last week and I refused to ride the elevator. And then I got to get a security guard to take me up each time, come back and get it and then i feel even more trapped and yeah so i was like this is this is this has been too long it's interesting i think all of these issues it's interesting to here's what i would Wait, ask do you want to hear something crazy yeah, i do san jose improv have you ever played there they have a hotel that all the comics stay and it's like right across the street and when i went they had to get a security guard to take me in my room. And you go like through the banquet room, down the hallway, around this, up here, up this stairwell. And I'm always embarrassed when the security guards take me. And I said, hey, uh, sorry, you got to do this. I go, do you do this a lot? You know, with people that don't write. He goes, no. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're the only freak. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, he's like, we're the, he didn't know that I was a comedian. He goes, we're the hotel for the comedians. He's like, weirdly, a whole bunch of comedians. No. And I went really and so i don't want to name them but he named me a bunch of comedians and uh you know it turns out that uh patrice o'neill did no i'm just kidding um <laughs> i was <laughs> what are the names i'll tell you off air um, no, yeah i got it i've known more i don't have it as much as i used to but when i was in college i had a real shy bladder and i think it's similar Here's why. It's an overthinking sure. disorder. Sure. And comedians are overthinkers. The reason I mention that, and I also won't name names, but I never met more shy bladders than comedians of my style. Meaning, I don't mm. think Jim Norton has a shy bladder. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think Dane Cook has a shy bladder. Right. But if you know a guy who's talking about his feelings and stuff, especially when I was, again, it's not a thing anymore. I'm so grateful. But I remember bonding with other comics being like, I'll walk like... This is in New York. I walk four blocks because I know there's a one-seater at the Village Underground because I just don't want to... What happens is you're at a urinal and you're like, they're peeing, I'm not peeing. Do they know I'm not peeing? It's just, it's just, it's actually not shy bladder disorder. It's overthinking and a little bit of narcissism. Like they're looking at me, they're noticing me. And like, it's like when you're having sex, like what happens if I can't get a boner? That's also yeah. not yeah, an yeah, issue. Yeah. Overthinking. Any, but all like, overthinking. It's all overthinking stuff. You'd be like, well, now I'm flaccid because I kept thinking, yeah. well, that's the worst thing that could happen. Here's what I was going to put to you, though. I got curious about how far will I go to be special, unconsciously speaking. It, do I kind of like, like losing a boner is a better example. Do I want to lose a boner so she'll treat me special mm. in some way i said it was in one of the batman videos i go one of the sexiest things a woman can do is forgive right <laughs> and that was based on my life at that time was i i can't remember if i was with val but let's say i was and we're having sex and I, we're new and it's not happening and she'd understand she'd be like it's fine it's so, don't worry about it and then i'd be like 
completely into her because she saw me and not only saw me, but she saw me as special. Right. So that's what I was going to ask you. I wonder, I wonder that I've wondered, is this me becoming quirky? Cause I remember years ago, I, tri I went on a tour with Bert Kreischer and Ben Glebe and Bert goes, I said, can I get a room on the first floor, the hotel? And Burke goes, why do you want to be on the first floor? I go, I don't like to ride elevators. He's like, why don't you like to ride elevators? And I said, because uh, I'm afraid I'll get stuck in there. He goes, oh, are you are you afraid it's going to fall? Or are you afraid? It's and I go, no, I'm just afraid I'll have no one to talk to. Wow. And, okay, and then you'll vanish. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that is it. It's like. <laughs> That's why they have that call button. Yeah, hey, but, but I catastrophize. I'm like that button doesn't work. Yeah, uh, there's a tornado outside. It yeah. killed everybody. It's good that you know you catastrophize. Yeah, and, no, that's great. Yeah, that's a huge step. And I'm like, I can create this scenario. And my friend's a therapist, and I talk to her all the time. It's like friends. She's like, yeah, you've got a creative brain, and you start creating these like no, it's amazing it's your superpower. Yeah. it's just your spider bite hurting instead yeah. of giving you wall crawling abilities, just a gross infected spider bite. Yeah, yeah. And you have to deal with it because you also like crawling on buildings and stuff. I feel the same way. It's like in situations I can catastrophize. It's not, a, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it's because I write stories. I just told you a story about winning the lottery, giving the ticket to my brother, and then he absconds with it because that's my job. You know what I mean? But when like these things start making it awkward for you and your children or whatever... I, one of the things I don't like about that is for you feeling your, your pain is I'm like, I don't like the shame element of it. Mm. I wish it wasn't shame motivated. I kind of laughed at, you know, being a comedian. I, you know, I think that's what we do. We, we find a way to make our embarrassing yes. issues and problems comedy. Yeah. And then it's like, ha I always, I always call it eight miling, you know, how yeah. in, uh, in uh, when you eight do mile, the, when he does the thing, Eminem right? would always go, "Hey, I grew up in. A, what are you going to do? I'm from the trailer park. Yeah, what, what are you going to get me with?" I now? call it Punky Brewstring because there was a heavy girl, and she was friends with Punky, and she would always make jokes about how, at the time, we would say fat. She would make all these fat jokes, and then at the end of the very special episode, they were like, "Why are you always doing that?" And she's like, "If I do it first, you can't do it." And I was at home going like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just crying sweet tears because I ate so many Twizzlers. <laughs> just sugar tears. <laughs> but yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, that's, and I think that's what we do as comics, so. Control the narrative. Yes. You say it first. Yeah. Yeah. So, but part of me was like, have I created this? Um, but I think it's some trauma and I've got to figure, it's funny, I was telling this woman, I was like, I don't have any real trauma in my life. I go, I have never had. And I start telling her stuff about my family. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, I, I think we've got enough. Yeah. She's like, we've got, she's like what you perceive as trauma. She's like, you have lots. Yeah. And I, this is, this is it. What you just said is it is like, we need to green light our goals and our dreams and believe in ourselves. You also have to believe in yourself in the other direction and go, this is what I just figured out. I'm just figuring this out. My wife is a genius at this stuff. And she and having someone validate and go like, that was trauma. That you experienced trauma. And it doesn't have to be karate kid, kids with ghost yeah. makeup, yeah. chasing you on bikes. That or, did happen to me, though. I mean, it happened to all of us. <laughs> that movie was a plague. <laughs> it did not. Oh, God, yeah. It did? Oh, my God. What? 
Oh, my go-to, it doesn't have to be that, did happen to you? Yeah. Chased by kids on bikes? Oh, fuck yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I came home one day on the school bus, and the school bus would let me out about 100 yards from my driveway. I'll do the sound. (laughs) And there's a, I'm in eighth grade, the junior high, and there's a bunch of high school kids with their car waiting with baseball bats at my stop for me. And I see them and I'm like, I'll get the next one. I'm going to (laughs) die. And I was like, and and I go, I don't know what to do. And one of my friends, Nina Kratza said to me, just stay on the bus and go to my house. Yeah. And I was like, genius. So the bus starts moving and they all jump in their car to follow us. And I realize Nina lives like a mile from her bus stop. You've just given them a lot more terrain. (laughs) To chase you. Yes. And I'm like, you went from a walkway to your house to Nina's. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. So he's just about, the bus driver's at my driveway. He's gone like a hundred yards. And I go, stop the bus. And he's like, stop the bus. And I, he stops and I come running up and he's got his hand on the door and I go, open the door, open the door. And I was a bit of a mischief maker as a child. And the bus driver knows that there's a bunch of kids with baseball bats chasing me. He looks at me and goes, are you going to be good? Are you going to be good from now on? And I go, I promise. (laughs) He saw his opportunity to negotiate. (laughs) I'll be a model student. I'll be a model bus rider. And he goes, and he opens the door and I fly out yes with them all chasing me out of their car and run in and slam my door and and well, how did they oh, pick you they had a these guys they had, they had a fort in the woods that was the most amazing fort you could ever see it looked like something from like a uh like Swiss apocalypse now. <laughs> yeah sort of they built out of they cut down trees and I grew up in Pittsburgh in this little suburb of Pittsburgh and down by this in the woods we live in a very wooded area they cut all these trees down themselves and built forts and they, they were high school kids and they would build like cabins almost some of them were two stories some of them they had a creek that went under one of them and they had a whole little village and they would all go there and have parties I hate this <laughs> Well, they were kind of. Ner- I don't want to be there. They were kind of nerdy kids. Okay. They weren't the cool kids. They weren't, and the cool kids went once and trashed their whole fort. The, okay, the now I players. like them a little more. <laughs> but they they were always drinking down there. Less. And they had <laughs> alcohol there, and somehow the alcohol was stolen, and I had a little tree fort in my in my yard. It ended up on the top of my tree fort. The booze. So they assumed I stole it. I would love it if you did steal it, but that's still how you tell the story, like a mafia guy. And let's just say that alcohol ended up on the top of my tree fort, okay? I don't know how it got there. It fell off a truck. (laughs) And I'm like, I think they were getting there. There was a a cousin of Joey's. (laughs) (laughs) But whoever stole the booze. Carl Creeble. Carl Creeble? Carl Creeble was one of them and took it and planted it on me. Creeble. Creeble. And he planted it on me. Now, cut to I'm friends with all those guys. Creeble? Not so much Creeble. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're friends with the Wood Boys? The, the guys with the bats that were chasing me. But they, I, okay, look, I'd still hate that they were chasing you with bats, but at least there was some 
hey, that's the guy that took our, yeah. I'm guessing the plastic bottles of vodka. And no, it was a, like, it was like a case of beer or something oh, that man. they were going to kill me over. Yeah. But, you know, a case of beer is important when you're 16 years old. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. There are all these stories, like, I don't know. Like, what if they caught you? They would have hit you with bats? I don't know, because the one, one of them I'm really, really close with now, he's one of my best friends. Yeah. And he's like, I don't even know why I was there. He's like, they were telling me I had to beat you up. And they were all like, you've got to. And he's like, I was there to fight you. And he goes, I don't know why, but I was just peer pressured into. Yeah. And he's like the most passive guy in the whole world. I don't think he's ever been in a fist fight in his life. He's like, I was ready to kill you. <laughs> I know. In high school, a lot of people are just pretending that they have been in fights. Pretending everything. Pretending think, you've kissed somebody or whatever. I don't think they do it anymore, though. I don't think they do anymore. Well, it's been that. shallowized. You know what I mean? And yeah. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet made it like cool to just be like, what? Like uh, that Simpsons joke, nice PJs to Bart. Nelson says, nice PJs. Your mama get you for it, get them for you? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's that Eminem. That's Eight the Chalamizing, yeah. the Eminizing of just like, yeah, I'm not shit. Like, yeah. why would I pretend to be shit? But in, I think in the 80s, you know what else was happening? My, my nephew does that to me. He's, he's 17. And I'll go, are you, are you really going to wear that out? And he'll go, yeah and i'm just like you got me yeah you got me again and king. i'll be like "Ooh, that's nerdy and he says yes it is you know and he just owns everything they figured and it i out. yeah yeah can't get him at all ever i love that yeah it was dingus's like us that hoped bill burr would be sweet to us that kid would be like he wouldn't be in the circle no we were only in the circle because we were from the 80s yeah and we we're like that's this true. is normal I, you know, it's so funny. A, a, a friend of mine that's a comedian that kind of came up with me, we always talk about that. Like, why did we keep going back there? Because we were ritualistically reenacting our childhood traumas. <laughs> like, we're like... That's so interesting. You can be my abusive family. I'm not saying my family was an abusive family. I'm saying, this is familiar. Tension. Yeah. Ugh. The, the irregularity of... like. But it was worse it practice. It was worse like than anything I had experienced. When I was a little kid, it was physical with all like cousins and neighbors. And we were, grew up in like a, it was a very well affluent area, but it was, it was Irish Catholic. A lot of like yeah. fights. My dad would always, Hey, you get in a fight. You don't start it. You end it. Never start a fight. End every fight. You know, like that's how I was raised. Grab a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grab some, a bottle somebody, and break it. Somebody comes after you, you do what you got to do. You know, like, and yeah. and so very tough kids and very lots of sports and lots of I think my dad was tough and then like I we just weren't. We were I want to say Nancying about. I don't know if you can say well, that. Well then anymore. your mom did a good job. What do you mean? <laughs> like taking that out because I see that happened with my wife's family. My my wife's Yeah, my mom did do a good protecting us yes. from like you don't have to teach your son. Have you seen the movie Black Mass? No. Johnny Depp plays uh, Whitey Bulger. There's a moment where he's basically telling his son, like, if you do something and nobody sees it, did you do it? And he thinks he's doing right by his kid, like teaching him how to cheat and steal right, and kill, right, right, right. kill or be killed sort of stuff. And there is a certain amount. I, I don't know what the amount is, but we used to think it was 70 pounds. And now I think it might be a thimble of like, look out for yourself. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I'm saying? No, I don't. It used to be like, 
somebody's giving you shit in the school yard, you go up and break his legs. Right, you right, know? right. And now it's like, have some awareness of who might not be safe. You know, yeah. it's like more like that. Yeah, and, and I, I know because I always talk to my children the way the books say. I always, I, I say I'm- The Book of Mormon? Well, my, my whole life is I go to Instagram University and- uh, There's good stuff on there. So much good stuff. Yeah. And I always want to say I read, but I feel like going- I, I scrolled and saw. I have a bit about like that. I, Isn't it funny that when we say I read somewhere, we all know you mean TikTok. <laughs> I was reading, really, in your study with little reading glasses on your nose. Can't remember the last or time. Or were you I taking know. a dump? Yeah. Looking at Instagram. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And I hate. I hate that you just did that because you did what, you did what Chris Rock's done a million times where I have an idea and it's so unformulated, yeah. but I know there's something funny in it. And then you see someone do it succinctly yeah. and you go, fuck, I know fuck. you captured something that needs to be talked about yeah, yeah, yeah. and just got it in that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's first to market. Who's going to film yeah, it first? But it's also Although like, I, but if it's, it's all like, Chris does that a lot. He finds it where no one else finds it. Like we all kind of knew it, but no one knew that it could possibly be done. Can I run something by you? Sure. I think, so that idea was in the marketplace, what Young and all those people, the collective unconscious, that all creative people are kind of like sending their kites into the storm clouds and we pull it back and we have the idea. And sometimes there's an idea for a movie that just is in the unconscious because we're getting all the same input and mm -hmm. stuff. I think one of the greatest evidences for that being real, meaning like there just are these ideas and we kind of fish for them. Mm -hmm. And then when they're caught, they kind of become less, I, I'm, I'm, this isn't necessarily literally 100% real, but just hear me out. They almost become less available. It's like, I've got it. And it's, a, here's, here's what I'm trying to rationalize. How many comedians are doing a new hour every year or two and how much parallel thought is there? So much. I was going to say not that much. Oh, I think there's so much. There should be way more is what I'm saying. I think I'm so scared to look. I'm so scared to look at like if I'm doing a bit. Yeah, I won't look either. But then when my special drops, I should be getting all these like that was on this. That was on. This. I will say there's a lot on my new special. There's a, a bit I do about <clears throat> prove you're not a robot. That seems to be a premise that I saw Orny Adams do a bit about it. Uh, I, somebody said, hey, you should watch Mulaney's bit about that just to make sure it's not the same, which I did and it's not. But there are topics that float around. Sure, sure. But I mean, like, we really should be seeing, like, the exact same observation well, more. Well, it's... Like, and I try and I strive, like I wrote this joke and I was using it as an example of like, no one could possibly have this jo joke. Um, I have a bit about taking my dogs to rattlesnake aversion training. Yeah, I think you're in a unique space. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, I should. Um, do you know Chuck Martin? No. Chuck Martin was the director of Arrested Development. He opens for Seinfeld a lot and he hangs out at the improv, used to hang out at the improv bar all the time. He's kind of like Cliff at the bar you oh, know okay. like gene pompa was norm and he's cliff <laughs> and the two of them are hilarious they just make fun of each other and i walk in one night and it's just like sitting down and cheers and he goes hey what's up you know i'm like hey he's like what'd you do today you know and i go i went to rattlesnake aversion training for my dogs and he goes i hope you're gonna open with that <laughs> and sometimes I remember, you need someone from the outside i remember going yeah, like that's a really unique, and I had a whole story about it. 
And then I thought about it. I'm like, if there's any other comedian in the world that went to rattlesnake aversion training with their dog, yeah, they're going to have a bit too. Because right. it's just too fertile. I agree. I've, I've made this before. In the crashing writer's room, Greg Fitzsimmons was saying someone, and I, I, I've talked about this with Greg. I'm not Can you talking. tell me who was in that room? Who all? Well, it, was, it rotated so oh, much. It really did. Did it? Yeah, Judd did an interesting thing where he would do like four week stints with a certain room oh, and then would funnel it down. It was, it was interesting. And uh, it wasn't, I don't, I can't say, but I imagine it wasn't necessarily the best for the people that were being rotated out. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, that would kind of suck. But, but it's but. not. So yeah, but but then a core group. As long as they knew coming in though that it was only. That's four, true. Like, yeah. That's true. And then by the end, the room had solidified more. But I'm trying. It was like Beth Stelling, Mike Lawrence, Solomon Jeez. Georgia. I'm trying to think of other. It was a great room. Yeah. But uh, Greg and Greg Greg Fitzsimmons yeah, was one incredible. of incredible. He's awesome. But we had this kind of friendly debate where he was like, "Somebody stole my wishing fountain joke," and we were like, "And I was like, don't tell me what the bit is, but is it about like?" And we kind of got to it, like, we have so much water, we waste it in fountains. Like, is that <laughs> it? And it was. Yeah. And and he added to it, and we even throw money in it, like, it's it's double wasteful. And I was like, I just feel like that's there. Yeah. That is the joke. I had a version, it's not nearly as funny, but I was like, there. I saw, this was back in my open mic days, I saw Glade made an air freshener made with real fruit. This is, I'm so desperate for material. I'm like, I'm going to do something on that. And I'm like, I love that people are, and I'm also very Seinfeldy at the time. And I like, made with real fruit. I love that people are starving, but I just took a dump. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like someone could have eaten the fruit, but I just took a shit. Yeah, we got a, we got a situation. It's like real fruit. So it's fine. But meaning that, category of joke and i'm really interested in the marketplace of jokes i really feel like you could watch it like a stock market like right now we're seeing a, a, a huge spike and managers and agents are like stock traders and they go to where the money is and right now the money is in like comics who are talking shit i've seen like way more i don't mean talking shit like haters i mean like if you're in this world where you're not supposed to say certain things and you're saying them anyway I've seen a spike. Oh yeah, that's it's the, of the the backlash to the PC movement. It's the backlash, and yeah. it's and now it, it's popular. It's it's an NWA record with a explicit lyrics. Sure. There's more money to be made if you're up sure, there sure. saying this, this, and this, and that's a thrill, and it's entertaining, and it's delightful, and it has a bigger market than people even anticipate. But I think that's really interesting to watch. And similar, like you said, the PC movement. There was a time, well, oh, now this is going to spike. This is going. Right. But there's also topics that spike and sure. things that come around. Yeah, it would be nice attitudes. if we. And I think with AI, we probably will be, be able, able to track to it easily because they're saying they're going to start throwing podcasting into AI where it's sourcing from AI. Once they get podcasting, once they get everything in it, and that's kind of. I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but it's, it's going to it, make it disgusting. What do you you mean, like disgustingly powerful? Well, it's. I mean, that's why I thought going back to stand up that I thought stand up would get better and progress. Oh yeah, finish your Beca point because we. Well, I, I did kind of finish it, but remember when you used to say something and you'd go, "I need like three examples," mm -hmm. and so you'd sit all day and try to think of examples. Now you just go on Chat GPT and go, "Give me twenty examples of blah blah blah," and it's like, "Blah blah." Oh, I'll use this one, this one, this one. Yeah. Boom, throw yeah. those in. Yeah. So you're like, "There, that joke's done." Time to move on. I've done on that. Me. I've gone on Chat GPT and said, "Give me an example of something that 
seems like it would be a good idea, but it ends up not being... Like, it has to be more specific than yeah. that. And it'll give you 19 garbage ones and one right. pretty good one. Right. And so I would think the progression of stand-up would be just incredible, but it's not. It sucks. You'd think we'd be getting stronger. <laughs> I'm being pessimistic. Well, I also... Think about who the best stand-ups are right now. They're all in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Because they've developed. And they've developed... And it, and it didn't always used to be like that. Eddie Murphy was 18 years old. Yeah. And now it's like you're watching these guys in their 50s that are just crushing it. I, I Yeah, I was just talking to Birbiglia about that. Like, because... Well, I won't tell you why, because it was self-serving. But we were talking about how we were all getting funnier. Let's just say that. And it was I like, yeah, because you're in your you're 40s. You're probably doing your best stuff. That's right what now. it was. Yeah. It was yeah. like, this, this is the best special you've done, and it's because you're 44. Right. And I was like, right. Yeah, that makes sense. But what's interesting, I don't know if my daughter will... It could go one of two ways. One, it's like a throwback in the way that people still like watching VHS tapes today, like because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And people love stand-up and it, and it becomes more interesting, more human, maybe. Or I think it's probably the smarter money is like, it just won't exist in 50 years. Because I don't think, what is stand-up except like someone with a special skill to remember and deliver, adapt and, and engage but you are remembering, mm-hmm. you like studied something. And if that is no longer that interesting, mm-hmm. like why remember something? What I'm saying is I don't know if my daughter is going to know very interesting memorizing point. stuff. It's very interesting point. Like, and it won't be a, a... Have you seen the thing where the people wear... Have you seen this yet? I'll send you the video. This guy created this thing and it like goes on his bone here and comes down and he... They can ask him a question. A Hasidic Jew? And is that what we're talking about? Is that what Because that's a culture. I didn't, I don't, I didn't curl. He needs to curl. He's got this, and he, and he has a little piece of the Talmud in a thing. <laughs> like, I, what if I really thought that's what you meant? You mean an Orthodox Hasidic? If I was Hasidic, I would do this move every day. Oh, yeah. I'd accentuate points with it. I think that's my seat. Yeah. Use it. Use it or lose it, as they say. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that would be my tagline. Use it or lose it. That'd be my get her done. Yeah. Or the, um, what's it called? Tefillim? The the strings from your... Oh, that they wear? From your belt. I don't know. Those are pretty cool. I'm not even doing a bit. Yeah. I think they look cool. <laughs> I forget on. what I was talking about. Uh, the guy had a thing in his jawline. And oh, it, yeah. And he would... They would ask him a question, like, what's the capital of Kenya or something? And he, he would think it. Yeah, I read. Well, that's what's happening next is mind reading. Yeah, and it would Google for him, and in his brain, this thing would then tell, and he would have the answer. It would hear the answer, or it would be in his brain. In his brain, the answer the would show was, up in his brain. The answer would show up in his brain, like his brain was taking it in. He would then send it out to this device that was connected mentally. Yeah, like as you. Get over there. Yeah, kind of. Go to the device. And then he would have the answer. Well, that's what I'm saying. If this is happening now, yeah. and my daughter will be entering, I hate the term, the workforce. It sounds like Stalin or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, now she shall be one of the cogs. But like, that was the wrong accent. But if that's already kind of happening, if I, I heard Joe Rogan say like, we're in the Atari version of yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And like, we'll be in the Xbox version yeah. of it. Um 
I think people are going to watch movies from our time and see us in university lecture halls, just listening and going like, and writing it down. It actually is fucking like, what is this? 1691? Oh, you write down something they know and write it down in the hopes that you can be disciplined enough to cram it into your brain. And now we're just going like, no, just put it in your brain. My daughter's school, her principal is this new principal that they've brought in. And his whole concept is this like growth mindset that like, why waste the time with the things that aren't going to exist? So don't make them have to do those cursive. things. Yeah. Cursive is one of the things I remember I was at a school meeting. This, are they going to learn cursive? Yeah. And, and I was, and <laughs> this guy dressed said, like Mozart. <laughs> are they going to learn cursive? Pray tell. <laughs> Please, not cursive where you shake a little salt on it afterwards so the ink dries. Is that what it shall be? No, get the fuck out of here. The person asked, they were like, "Um, are they going to learn cursive? And the teacher was like, I don't want to answer this. And and the teacher was like, well, we haven't really found it necessary. And I was about to be like, what the fuck? And then I was like, yeah, it really is a waste. Buddy... It's return addresses on envelopes. It's signing a check. It's all gone. But here's the good news. It doesn't matter what you learn. You're learning how to learn. That's what they That's, that's what, what they would say, right? The growth mindset is learning how to be creative because there's always going to be a need a new th- for yeah. creativity. Yeah. And learning how to learn. My, my daughter's yeah. in a monastery school and they're teaching her how to learn. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's sewing a little thing or pouring some right. water from into a glass. She's learning how to learn. And that was always my defense of learning algebra and all these things. You're not going to need it. Well, you're learning how to learn. Mm-hmm. That's all you're mm-hmm. doing. And, mm-hmm. and I wish... Don't you defend algebra. <laughs> I hate Don't it. Don't you I defend know. it. I know. But I think it's going to be interesting to talk about a marketplace of ideas and beliefs and what's valued. If one of the things, and I really think this is sort of pr- pulling the curtain back, is like, how do you remember all those words? How does a stand-up go up and like seamlessly mm-hmm. do an yeah. hour of talking? If that's no longer interesting, uh, something else will become interesting. True. And it'll evolve. Yeah. Crowd work. Um, and it'll be just crowd work. Can I hear your Mitch Hedberg story? You can. And then you're going to finish here under the under the porch story. I was deal. Good. And wow, you'll tell your, this all you'll tell your Mitch. I'll, t- I'll tell my Mitch. You tell your okay. Mitch. Then you tell your porch. Mine's not that exciting. Mine's not exciting okay. at all. But I just love. He was smoking a pipe. <laughs> How could you say this is exciting? <laughs> <laughs> he was smoking a, like a gentleman's yeah, pipe. I know. I you did know, not picture him with a ball. Yeah. No. The f- <laughs> no. It was a regular, like a Sherlock Holmes pipe. Why, well, hello, hey, Pete. Hey, yeah. Well, I On was... the side of his mouth. You hear it? <laughs> I think Godfrey smokes a pipe. You know, it smells great. I've smoked a pipe. It doesn't taste like it smells. Uh, you know what I'm saying? My grandfather did every once in a while. Was it, did he have the pipe that was like this, or was it corn cob? I think it was more corn cob, but dark wood. Okay. Because Zany's downtown is next to that really great tobaccaria. Okay. You know that one? The old town. No, I don't know. Doesn't matter. But um, I wasn't even working. I went and saw him. I like you know that one opposed to the other one. The old you know that tobaccaria. It's next to an apothecary. They'll bloodlet you and sell you a cigar. I would love. I think cigar smoking is so stupid. Just do nicotine. I think bloodletting's funnier. I I don't know why we're bringing carbon monoxide into our nicotine (laughs) consumption. Any who's a whistle. Can we hack like we're smoking a pipe while we're... Where was I? In Utah, I walked by a bar and there was a young hipster <laughs> smoking a pipe and I was like, times have changed. They always go like... A... 
It's not cool. You know what's cool? <laughs> Cigarettes were cool. Letting it in and exhaling it like a dragon, not... Sorry, was your soup too hot? That's the same thing. It's not a cool... <laughs> if you have to pucker and pop, it's not a cool tobacco experience. So, so, so Mitch... Yeah, Mitch was... And we had just watched him. I, a part of the story is what I remember from his set, too, because there were bits that he... Not even bits, but... Yeah, it was a bit. He talked about on stage how he couldn't sell a TV show. And I remember this bit because I, I think the logic of it is so bad. That's what made it stand out. He goes, people in L.A. won't give me a show because they don't think I can entertain people for 30 minutes. But I'm like, every night I do 45 minutes. That's like a TV show and a half, right? And I'm sitting there like, but it's completely different. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, and it didn't really work. He was yeah. just trying something new. But that stood out. And then after the show, my wife at the time uh, came up with me. And uh, I'm also, I'm just remembering, I think Dwayne Kennedy opened and he murdered. Your wife was a comic? No, no, uh, she, she I, was. When you said came up with me, it's like. I no, she know. came upstairs with okay. me. And this is not a scandal. But Mitch, very awkwardly, I was like, um, and he goes, and who are you to my wife? I said, like, whatever I said, gave him a real wet sandwich handshake. He was like, gross. Your hand is so clammy. But I've never seen a clam say to another clam, man, you're like a young man's hand. Doesn't go the other way. Sand is like a million little rocks. But <laughs> I just, I just want to do it. That sounds like a bit. Yeah, it does, right? <laughs> I'm good at channeling other people's voices. Um, here we go. I go, this is my wife. He goes, who are you? I go, this is my wife. And he goes, if she's your wife, why is she up here? Kind of like a, but like everyone knew he's not like sending groupies up. He was right. with his wife at the right, time, right, right. but he made like an awkward, like, and you could tell he felt weird that he said it. He was like, he almost yeah, basically okay. with his body language was like, why did I say that? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but he did say like, <laughs> why is well, a we never got to, woman? We never got to see Mitch do this. Yeah, I know. And I think if we had gotten to this, we would have found out that Mitch was, who Mitch was because there's probably a lot of social phobia and a lot of like, anxiety. Oh yeah. He was awkward. Yeah. And, and we never got to see, or he this. could be awkward just he, like all of us. Yeah. Could be awkward. He looked so cool. That's right. That's but what it, was like. it was probably just a front for how uncool he felt. I watched an early set of his and I was like, before he had really figured out that pace and stuff. And I was like, he, his dorkiness. And I say this as a dorky guy, I'm like, was very clear to me. Oh, he was just sort of like, you know, a lot of his bits, aren't hip it was like how he did them. oh sure I, and a lot of his bits said by anyone else are not funny yeah i remember being in an open mic and a guy had clearly just remember when every 19th comic was just doing mitch yeah 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 and he went up on stage and this is his bit this bit is coming back from 15 people saw it and now i'm gonna do it for a lot of people but he goes like this he goes this is not mitch hedberg this is a guy ripping mitch hedberg style he goes it's so bad I dated a woman with no thumbs. Already, I hate it. I didn't know she had no thumbs until we went hitchhiking. That bitch went nowhere. You liked it. 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 That bitch went nowhere. You know what? I gave Mitch a joke once. I didn't hate it, as I said I it to you. I gave Mitch a joke, and he looked at me like, 
okay, man, thank you. And meanwhile, I know he was like, I will never use that joke. Yeah, what was it? I said, uh, I like to wear camouflage um, because I'm afraid of war. And that way, if there's a war, I could hide in an Army-Navy surplus store. <laughs> That's I like that. I thought it was like, I wrote it for me, and then I was like, it's not funny. I'm going to make it a one-liner, though. The best place to hide with camouflage is an Army-Navy store. Better. Yeah. Way more succinct. <laughs> but it was your premise. He, I wrote a joke that was very much like Mitch. I probably told it on the podcast before, but he goes, I'm going to tell it like Mitch. But I didn't, but it was the same words. I go, I was in my apartment, and there was a moth, and I was going to kill it. But my friend said, don't. Otherwise, a giant moth might come by and kill you. So I spared it. Now I'm afraid a giant moth is going to come by and thank me. <laughs> Want to give me a big dusty hug, hang out by the light bulb sometime. I don't need any more friends. <laughs> Like, you, the, the last part of it is where you really you need it cha- you channel mitch oh i definitely you, channel, you, channel them. you also need it. it there's like a real curve to that where it's like it's interesting jokes it's like i don't need any more friends it's not worth it it's not worth it it is worth it like, like the sandwiches of, sandwiches <laughs> sandwiches are like a story that starts with bread and there's a callback at the end story about medium is not that exciting john bush do you know john bush Mm-mm. he was a new york new york comic he was from minneapolis he I guess was friends with Mitch way back in the day back there from, I think Mitch was originally a Minnesota comic or was he Seattle? Anyway, he comes to New York and he's like, he's in the comic strip where we all kind of hung out there almost as much or more than the seller at the time. Mm. And he's like, do you know who this is? And I said, no, he said, this is Mitch Hedberg. He goes, he's really funny. And I was like, okay. He's like, we're going to go play darts across the street. You want to come? I said, yeah. So we're playing darts and Mitch was really nice. He's like, hello, nice to meet you. And I was like, he's like, uh, and I was like, hey, Mitch, I heard you're really funny or whatever. And he's like, oh, cool, man. Thanks. And I looked down and he's wearing tree torn tennis shoes. Do you remember tree torns? No. Tree torns, they kind of actually kind of look like this, but they had a little upside down V and the only people that wore them were like Bjorn Borg, the tennis player. Okay. And it was mostly women wore them at like country clubs in tennis <laughs> and i go and it's like i i had nothing to say to him and i just go tree torns and he goes yeah i like them they're real comfy <laughs> <laughs> they're real comfy and, but it was like he was wearing like a woman's shoe yeah 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 because it was he didn't care yeah what anybody thought, he was like, yeah. they're comfy. <laughs> and then I saw him one night say the funniest thing on stage at the Boston Comedy Club. He was bombing so badly. Yeah, wow. And everyone did. It was impossible. Yeah. Unless you, you know. That's where I came up. I never thought of him on that stage. It was so hard. Wow. And he he's bombing. And he goes, well, okay, I guess that will be it for me. I will be leaving. And the crowd starts doing like this, like... You know, like clapping, kind of like good. Yeah. Next comic. And they all start doing the clapping. He goes, no, no. Stick to your guns. You did not like me. Wow. And it was just right there. I went, that was like brilliant. Yeah. How he, you know, no comic would say. Yeah. So, that's like our worst, our lowest moment. We yes. know we've just bombed. We want to get out of there. And we just want to. Like, yeah shower this off our body yeah and he said something so funny and leaving that's great. no stop you did not like me dimitri martin back to where we were earlier 
He went up at the Boston. He used to bomb there a lot. And he, he didn't do well, but no one did. And I, I'll never forget it, because I was bombing probably 20 comics after him at like yeah, one in the yeah. morning. But he went... My stink was on the stage. At, but yes. Yeah, it was just just there. You could feel it. Yes, <laughs> like a mist. <laughs> but Dimitri in the middle of his set, and he was doing fine, but it wasn't going well. He goes, I can tell I'm not your cup of tea. Like he just called it out. I know that's not, it's not as good as your Mitch story, but I had just never seen someone acknowledge like comfortably. Yeah. That, I know I'm not for you. That's okay. You got, I'm like, if you're not for them, you deserve to die. You know, you've got to think about Dimitri's confidence though. I know he dropped out of law school yeah. after two years. Yeah. Just, I, I was like, Dimitri, maybe you should just finish. Yeah. yeah it's just one more year. Yeah. Just get it done, man. Yeah. And he was like, no. no. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. No. He knew. Very cool. And I was like, and I knew how funny he was. I was like enamored of him, but he, he wasn't doing well. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, like you really, you're making me realize what was significant about that story was he was one of my favorite. He is one of my favorites, but at that time idolizing this guy, he bombed where I was bombing. Something Gavigan told me when I was starting, he was like, we both kind of had a rough set in Germantown, Wisconsin. And he goes, <laughs> there's some crowds you don't want to do well for. And I was like, what? Like, I just never heard, I thought it was supposed to be a home run derby, but really there's a, con if you bomb with, in front of people who just don't have a taste for what you're going for, yeah, you can show there will be blood to somebody and they'll be like, that was boring. If and I did like, a show okay, on good, the, good. <laughs> if, if I did a show on the Capitol steps on January 6th, I'm pretty sure you'd bomb. Well, you can't say bomb. You would not do well. <laughs> you would do poorly. <laughs> I just said that at the airport. No. Go ahead. You used the no, word? No, no, I didn't use the oh, word bomb, but my bag, I only travel with a, a backpack. If anyone who sees me, somebody came to my show twice in Utah, I'm like, if you're wondering why I'm wearing the same shirt, it's because I it's the just way to want go. to travel with a backpack. I'm the same way. I don't give a fuck. I, who the fuck is going to be like, did you wear the same shirt? I don't care. I, I don't care. I want to travel so lightly. Me too. Get out of my house as quickly as possible. Me like, too. It's like a go back. as quickly as possible. It's still packed, Eddie. Yeah. It's still packed. Yep. I don't unpack it. Yep. I mean, I take the dirty laundry Somebody out. told me to keep one in your car. Just keep. I have a go bag in my Do car. Do you? And that's when you gave me your wife's blanket. I was like, this is going in the car. Yeah. Because I've been in situations where it gets cold. I'm like, if we broke down, we'd need some blankets. So <laughs> I'll be thinking of you as I'm dying. I'm dying slightly slower because of this thin Laguna Beach blanket. I'm just kidding. Um, what was I saying? It doesn't matter. Uh, the crowd that uh, you want to bomb for. You want to bomb for? We still have to talk about the poop. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Thank you. So the bag, thank you, Katie, is stuffed. Not horribly, but if you open it, it's going to spring open and stuff is going to fall out. It's going to spring open like a parachute. Basically. And they and I got randomly selected because I had an apple in my bag. That got me flagged. Anyway. So the TSA agent, who I'm always like, I don't know if you're this way. It's like when you give too much money to the guy that won't let you use the bathroom. I'm so nice to the mm -hmm. TSA, especially if they're kind of curt with me. I'm like overly like. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So they're opening the bag. And I go, careful. It's, it's really full. It's going to explode. <laughs> oh. Oh, my. And we both just let it slide. Uh, I go, careful, it's really full. It's going to explode. Oh, but it did explode oh, with socks and stuff. Yeah. It's like a prank. I'm the same way, though. It's so funny you do that. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the guy pooped on my steps. I kicked him out of the house, and I said, you're going to have to leave. And he said, uh, I need to talk to the landlord. And I go, I am your landlord. And I go, you have to go. You've stolen this stuff. So he wouldn't leave. And I said, look, it was like a couple of days. I go, I'm going to give you a couple more. I got to get a truck. I, I go, look, after a couple of days, of it, I go, look, we're putting a padlock on there on Friday. You have to have your stuff out by noon on Friday. He's like, okay. So he, I see him unloading. He shouldered me one time on the way out. Oh. And he would just give me these dirty looks, wouldn't talk to me. I mean, I can kind of see how he got to the place where he is in life. Like, you know, when... like He's not a chill hang. No, he's just a very <laughs> oppositional person that, yeah. that I saw it come out and I was like, oh, this is, yeah. you know, you, have, you struggle in life. And I was still trying to be like nice to this guy because I felt bad about, but you can't steal stuff and keep it under my house. <laughs> I feel like that's a good line. So he leaves. <laughs> I come home that night and there is a giant steamy human shit uh, right in front of my door. It's funny how you know a human shit. I mean, you look I mean, at one several like, times a day. Yes. But the thing I thought about it, I wasn't that mad. I kind of laughed because I knew I was going to have to get a shovel and like pick it up and throw it, which is going to be or like a pizza, so. Those things they slide pizzas into <laughs> ovens. You go, <laughs> and then put it in an oven, <laughs> crisp it. But I thought, it was probably worse for him. Like I'm a, yeah, his was a, yeah, comfortable. It is to stand and you're squatting and squat and your dick gets compressed yes, into this. Like, like and you're hovering. Yeah. And your quads are tightening and it doesn't want to hit his pants. Yes. And he's just sitting there. And I thought, you know what? You idiot. You won. Yeah. <laughs> what a thrill. Eddie, thank you for doing this. Oh, this is so much fun. So much fun, effortless. Uh, we'll talk about it some other time. Some people call my comedy effortless. Effortless. Well, I did say it flows. Effortless. We have the guests say, keep it crispy at the end. It's just the sign off. And it, I'm just pointing because it says it on that sign. But you do get all this stuff. We have similar hair types. You'll like the modern mammals. You should take the magic mind with you and you'll get some first person. What oh, is this, a game show? Much. I'm just saying that's, don't forget it. That's I can't all wait to read Misfit. And you can read an advanced, unproofed copy of Misfit by Gary Gullman. Is that an un... Really, that's unproofed? There's no typos in it, though. It's fucking Gary Gullman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every, everything's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, it's, it's... I'm seeing Gary. It's perfect. <laughs> um, that's, that's a good Gary. It's perfect. Uh, I can see it. Okay. Um, would you grace us with a Keep It Crispy? And thank yeah. you for being here. Keep it crispy, and thanks for being here. Very good. <laughs> Very good. And See then I, why I don't act? I drive to your house and poop on the lawn just for that. <laughs> <laughs> Would be funny if someday Steve Burns like, I'm the one that took the shit. It was me. His dying words. Eddie, it was me. <laughs>